Scarlet and Violet blows. Okay, oh, yeah, much better. Much better. Okay, Josh is better now, guys. Uh, he's better. He's better, guys. <laughs> much, much better now, man. <laughs> there we go. As he like cr- probably breaks the chair, I would laugh. No, I br- I break through the floor first. It would laugh. Me, so me, me and my fat ass, man. Not, I don't my know fat ass. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you poop uh, every day. Yeah, of yep. course you're fat. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm like that makes sense. I'm like my t- Mike Tyson. I'm, I'm, Mike, su- I'm Mike Tyson. I'm, I'm gonna bite your ear off. It's called foreplay. Are we doing that now? Tick 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 tick. There you go. I've already opened mine. It's blue voltage. Do the do, bra. This is their, um, it's Spark. It's their raspberry lemonade with other natural flavors, Moyer. By other natural flavors, it's most likely just probably arsenic. Yes, probably. (laughs) Some napalm. What the hell is Blue Beetle? Blue Beetle, he's a DC comic book character. Uh, oh. It's that little weird um, device that is an alien device and it's almost treat like a, a robotic symbiote where it attaches to you and then it activates and it, it has like a suit for you. And oh. it can do crazy things like shoot guns, fly. It's really cool. Blue Beetle was an awesome character in the, oh my God. the DCs. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It looks like a Kamehameha just got thrown out with vocals. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Before All right. Ray forgets, I am Adam. <laughs> you need to see these, these these like gang signs he's throwing around. I'm Josh. Uh, uh, word. I'm Andrew. Yeah. Have at it. <laughs> or have, some, have, have at it. it. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. No homo. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck? I was trying what to the fuck? the same amount of syllables. That's the first <laughs> No homo. <laughs> just, oh just, just bugging. It's, 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 it's a work in progress. It's or the kids call it the cat's meow. But that's not the same amount of syllables. Nope. I mean, it's different. Have you met these kids? They eat NyQuil chicken. I yeah. mean, they ate NyQuil, ch- NyQuil chicken. Now they're yeah. dead. Now that's they're true. Now they're no longer. Those fumes, those fumes will kill you. Kids, don't In do that. In the circle of life. <laughs> I just wanted to make a YouTube video that's the circle of life, but it's only the first note, so the whole video is just ah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you then you edit the, um, the part where Rafiki's holding Simba up, only he, he chucks him over the cliff. I love I love that gift so much. It's so funny. Oh god, I love that. You know that James Earl Jones will no longer be a voice actor or an actor anymore, and I'm like I'm sad now because he has a fantastic voice. Damn, that's James hard. Earl Jones has like he's like. Late 80s? I thought he was like at least early 80s. Something I think like he's that. early 80s. He has to be. F-U. Mm-hmm. He has to be. But no. Like, Speaking of old, before we get this podcast started, Whoa. Uh, Whoa. I want to give a shout out to VGA. Video Game Apocalypse. They yes. just hit episode 500. Wow. Whoa. Go you guys. So, and I've been listening to those people since they launched. Well, I've, I've, been, I've, tw- I've tweeted them on Twitter. I was saying I've been listening to them since Talk Raider 5. Which is two, like March of 2008. So it's got to be like the longest running podcast that I've ever listened to. Like hmm. 500 episodes plus I think TDAR had like what? 189 before they died. So I mean we got a long way to go before we catch up to them. But oh, I just yeah. want to oh, give yeah, a yeah. shout out because I like those guys and yeah they just hit 500. So congratulations to them. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this is Manadrone. We're not. Manadrone. Yeah. No, pretty much now. Sound um, like a putty from Power Rangers. 
I mean, did we bring that up on this podcast? What, Power Rangers? R- R- R.I.P. R- R- Jason David Frank. Dude, it sucks, yeah. dude. It sucks. Because, like, he, uh, every single time I, I've talked to someone who's actually met him, he everything everyone says the same thing over and over and over again. He sounds like a really nice guy, and that yeah. that hurts. And he did it like on Men's Health Awareness Day, which sucks. Really? Yes. The 19, November nineteenth is me- Mental Health for Men. Isn't that ironic? It's sad. Mental Health for Men. He does it on a Men's Health Awareness type of day, but well, no one celebrates suicide. it. Google refuses Ouch. to do anything positive with that m- moment. Yeah. They'll do it with everything else. From women's mental, you know, from women's... What is it? What is it? I mean, okay, so he, that was this was a suicide thing, but didn't another Power Ranger, like, kill one of his roommates with a sword? Um, one killed someone with a sword. Talking one an used, actor. Yeah. One used, it, I, I think, his stunt double to help steal things or something like that. Huh. The red, the original Red Ranger does gay porn. No. Are you sure? I swear yeah. to God that's true. They, they, people think that he looks like a guy that does gay porn. I'm pretty sure Austin St. John does not gay porn. Okay. I could be wrong, but I looked into it one I time. I swear to God, we know that the yellow Power Ranger unfortunately passed away in a car yeah, accident. Yeah, and the blue Power Ranger, David Yost, is gay. Yeah. Like, he did that. What are the, what are these things isn't like the other? Yeah, this one's dead. Yeah, this one killed somebody. This one's in prison. This one committed suicide. Oh, this one's gay. What I'm saying. <laughs> like, one of these things isn't like the other. I'm just saying. Basically, basically what, you need, what, what you need to learn from this is if you aspire to be a Power Ranger, oh, just gosh. know that you're going to have severe mental issues when you're done. I can't breathe right now. I don't think being gay is a severe mental issue. Well, no, but he went, he went uh, he went to a uh, camp called Pray the Gay Away, an attempt to get religion. He got to picked get rid on. Of his he got, ah, okay. He got harassed un- uncontrollably by all the Power Rangers. Yeah. other Power Rangers, except for the Pink Ranger, I think. Ah, I don't know. That's fucked. Yeah, the Red Ranger was the meanest. So if you're a Power Ranger, chances if you're an actor in the Power Ranger series, maybe there's a good chance you're messed up a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like any of these people love normal lives. But, but why aren't there any like good Power Rangers games? There was that Sega Genesis one. There's Sega Genesis twenty five years there ago. There is a few, but yes, they're mostly old ones. There's, There's not Battle new. for the Grid because I was looking into this when David uh, Frank died because I was like, are there any good games with the old crew in it? And the the best one apparently is Battle for the Grid. It's like a Mortal Kombat style um, versus game. But I want one like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers where they fight the Blue Ooze people from the movie. I know there was but one of the- modern. I know oh. there was one on the Super Nintendo that was really good that was a beat-em-up, if I remember correctly, but that's, yeah, like, that, about I it. A, I had it for the second Genesis. Yeah, yeah but that's... probably the same one. Okay, yeah, that's the literally, like, the only good Power Rangers The only good, good one Rangers I remember, game. yeah. Yeah, yeah I played the heck that's out of it. That's the only good one I remember. My mom's friend made fun of me, because they were getting ready to leave, and he's like, have fun beating up those purple dudes or whatever you're doing, man, and I'm just like, shut up. I don't know what it is about the Power Rangers. I don't know why it's always gotten such a stigma around it of, like, wow, you watch Power Rangers as a kid, you're lame. It's like, I don't I, I understand wanted, I can tell you right now, from all my from when I was in school in elementary times, when that show came out, everyone watched it. I swear, like, I, I all, all the moms that were creative were making hoodies of their fa- their son's favorite Power Ranger. Maybe that's I, what it maybe I'm that's serious. What it, like, it was insane. Maybe that's what it was. It was like, wow, your parents like it. Therefore, you liking it makes you lame. And then kids decided, well, it's cool to hate it because our parents like it. I remember like my it. communion. I had enough I money to in, buy the Megazord. Dude. I, was I lost in, my uh, mind. Middle school when that game or when that series came out. So my mom didn't know what the hell Power Rangers was. She wasn't watching it. Yeah, I don't know. It's I think weird. I was nine when it first came out. I think out. I was in seventh grade. I don't remember. 
I swear to God, it was I was at least nine. I know it for a bona fide fact. But I only nine. watched like the first three seasons. I watched the Mighty Morphin run, and when they went to Zio, I stopped. Hmm. So I, I saw the first three seasons, and no, then I was just I was like, like my one friend was telling me like there's a Japanese one where it's like a, the Zords are trains. In Japan, it's uh, Super Sentai. Charlie, did you buy that game yet? Is that out? No, I don't think it's out yet. I think December 9th. Oh, I thought so. Yeah, so Super I want to buy days. it. I do want to buy it. It's like SWAT Super Sentai Rangers or something like that. I can't yeah. remember. That's but what it's known train, as. There's a, there's a train. Wait, one. did you just say Super Hentai Rangers? Sentai. Oh. I mean, there's probably <laughs> something like that online. I don't. Don't. <laughs> Google that right now. No. Don't. Don't. <laughs> don't, kids. Don't. No. And don't. do it when you're at school. Me, as an innocent child, on, on when I first got computer online, I want to look up anime. Me accidentally going, what is this Dude, thing called hentai? When I first got the internet in 1995, I was at my grandpa's house trying to do some, uh, uh, like a, a, some project for school, and I typed in whitehouse.com. Oh. Website. Yep. Whitehouse.com was a porn site back in 95. It still is. It's, it's, it's whitehouse.org, I'm assuming. Yeah, it still is. But, yeah. Anyway, this, I love, is, this is about video games. I was about to say, I was going to say halfway through that, video games. Isn't Boyfriend Dungeon like a porn game? The video games. games. <laughs> Boyfriend Dungeons is on Steam. It is. It's even a tentacle one, too. I don't know. Didn't, didn't you say you bought it to play with Ari or something? You no, no, no. That was that Boyfriend Dungeon thing. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That was that one free thing on Xbox, like, live, the the, the Game Pass thing. Oh. And I remember, like, me and Ari played it for five minutes, and we just were acting like absolute idiots. We're just like, this isn't as bad as everyone thinks it what is. What did you do? What's, what's, what it's is it? It's just like a weird, like, it, uh, like dungeon crawler kind of hack thing. Hack and slash, like Diablo? No, not really, like Diablo. But all I remember is, like, us picking up, like, uh, your, like your partner is your weapon. What? Yeah, like it shows. So me. you pick up a dude as a as a guy. You pick up another. If dude I'm correct, that this is the it's one like I that think. meme. This is I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna hit a motherfucker with, with another, another motherfucker. motherfker. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say I'm that. Google this for sure because I think that's the one we're talking about. I love it when he's gonna Google this and be like, Ah, yes, that's porn. I ah, on my eyes. So this is all over the place, but for some reason this popped into my head. I was listening to I think it was VGA last week where they were talking about. The, the something of Rose, whatever the DLC is for Final uh, for Resident Evil, and mm-hmm. they were talking about. Have you, has anybody played that? No. The DLC. Well, they were talking about what what could um, Resident Evil Nine possibly be. Do you think Rose, with her superpowers, which apparently she's got powers in the in the DLC, do you uh, think they could ever put Rose as a protagonist in in RE Nine? I think they could. I don't know. It's interesting because, like I said, yes, I, this is the boyfriend dungeon is the one where your partner what's is it rated? your weapon. What and it hell? is a dungeon crawler. What's it yes. rated? Huh? What's it rated? Yeah, oh yeah, Metacritic. Uh, uh, why? Why? Would no, you not. I don't give a shit about the rating. What's it? What's the rating? What's the content in this Hold game? On, let me see. Oh my god. Oh, like E for everyone, that type of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is this an adult-only game? Is this where we're going with this? Do I think Rose could be the protagonist? Possibly. It depends on whether or not Resident Evil kind of wants to start embracing more of the supernatural, or if it wants to keep itself more in a quote-unquote grounded reality, like it kind of did with the virus there for a while. It depends. They could literally go either way with it, and it'll be fine. I think with Resident Evil Four Remaster or Remake, they're going to be kind of experimenting a little bit more with where they want to go with this style of, like, Resident Evil. I, I think that they're defi- definitely going to have more, like, hints of mysticism in Resident Evil 4 Remake as opposed to kind of, like, I wouldn't call it B-horror rated, but they definitely were going for more of an action, like, sometimes, like, John Woo vibe in... It's rated teen. Okay, in Resident Evil 4. So they possibly could be trying to experiment more with that. It, it's hard to explain. Even the same thing with, like, Albert Wesker. Like, w- eventually what he becomes is, like... 
Well, if you've seen Marvel vs. Capcom, what he kind of does in that game, he kind of could do a lot of that in Resident Evil as well. And it's just like, okay, guys, where, uh, where we'll are you going? Jumping the shark soon. When did, when did he, that, that game came out in what, 2009? What, the original Resident Evil? RE5? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was 2009. It, 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 it <laughs> was it was in like the middle of Smallville's run because I remember when wasn't 2006 or was it 2005? Wasn't that Resident Evil 4? Well, I mean, even in Code Veronica, because I worked at Toys R Us, I know that. So I would I'm just to... wondering, like, I always heard Wesker compared to Neo from The Matrix because of his look. Uh, yeah. But the Matrix over for like five years by the time that game. Well, Code Veronica is where he kind of first ex- starts showing those oh, symptoms. Yes. Okay. So that's a little bit closer to it, but I don't. From my personal perspective, no, I do not think they were trying to like have like a cute homage to Neo and Wesker. I just honestly think that it just suits Wesker's like attire to be like that. Uh-huh. Because he's the type of guy who wears sunglasses indoors. So it's like that 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 weird dude from Grandma's Boy. Yeah, yeah. So so like even if you look inside of the original pictures of him inside of Resident Evil One with all the other scientists, it's like, oh look at all these poor normal people, and then there he is in the back wearing fucking sunglasses, and it's like, wow, you need to put that song in there now. I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wear my sunglasses in. Yeah, that's effectively Albert Wesker in a ah. nutshell. So, yeah, I definitely think they could actually make Rose. I don't know, though. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to take another step back and be like, okay, let's dial back that a little bit. I'm honestly hoping that they don't do the mysticism idea that I was talking about with before, and I hope it's a lot more actual tension, like levels of like, okay, we're going to treat this very seriously and we're gonna make this a very tense experience so gonna... more like re7 uh kind of yes i think resident evil 4 is so near and dear to the hearts of the fans that if they kind of lean too much into the silly aspect of it to where it, it, let's not beat around the bush resident evil 4 has some seriously hilarious moments into it oh it really does that giant statue chasing you for y- god yeah sense. like it, yeah. that Napole- are- a miniature Napole- spanish napoleon who hates you and he's going to kill you. Yeah, yeah. I've seen bits of it on YouTube. Yeah, so honestly, if they want to take away some more of those like moments and kind of lean more into the serious aspect of it, I'm more for that. But I also think that like both interpretations of the game are valid in, every, in both p- fans who want a more serious version of Resident Evil 4 and people who want them to really acknowledge the campy, like, hilarious moments of Resident Evil 4 are both valid. Mm-hmm. It's just, at this point, it depends. It determines really what they want to do over at Capcom, and I think they are going to lean more into the serious side of things. You really think so? I, I think so. Uh, I'm judging from the very first trailer I saw from the game that it looked like how good it looked. I think they are going to try to make this a more actually, like, super, like, darker, creepy version okay. of Resident Evil, but still retain, I like, know that retain they the action. That one scientist that you meet you you get tied up with, you know, he's actually gonna play, when he's just not gonna die, he's gonna become a boss. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, if that's a good idea or not. I honestly think that his death was handled in a more or less dignified fashion. He kind of just dies, which sucked, but at the same time, he was a very good character. What is his name? Lewis? I think it was Lewis. I think it was Lewis. Yeah, but I liked his character, so I honestly, I would like to see him have a little more of a fleshed-out personality and get a little more screen time, but... We'll see what happens. I don't want him to go too crazy with it because you know he's going to die, which sucks. You know, now that the game's been out and you know what's going to happen to this character, they can't retcon it and be like, actually, he didn't die because then it's going to piss off fans because you're retconning things. But at the same time, I don't want... Isn't that actually a good idea, though? So they could retcon stuff that just doesn't make any sense? Because I remember listening to a conversation that might have even been us where they said, 
<laughs> this is the perfect opportunity to fix RE4's mistakes, like things that players hate. They could actually go through and fix I these think things that, and make I the game better. The Lewis dying was not something that people particularly hated. The thing that people mostly hated about Resident Evil 4 is the fact that it couldn't make up its mind of what it wanted to be. In terms of, does it want to be kind of silly, campy horror, or does it actually want to lean very heavily into, into the action. horror, into the action yeah. horror aspect of it? Which I think, honestly, if they could find a way to make the action horror aspect of it work, it's fine. But it's interesting because a lot of people, like, video games are probably, should be one of the easiest medias for people to get terrified in, but it's actually one of the worst medias for you to actually get scared in, which is kind of shitty. It's could- true. So so think about it like this, right? When you watch a movie with somebody, like when you're watching a movie mm-hmm. and there's a movie and you're watching the characters, you might begin invested in the characters instead of a movie, right? The thing is is that you're not controlling them and you're watching as an outside perspective like an outsider, right? But if you really get connected to one of the characters and then they die in the movie, it's a very real death. That character's dead in the movie. And that's something that can terrify you because you don't know if and what is going to happen as opposed to a video game. Uh, if you die in a video game, what do you lose for art? five seconds oh okay cool true your character in the video game is an immortal uh respawning you know monster who never dies but i can counter that with what is it called the dark pictures trilogy um uh fuck not undertale starts with until dawn uh what the quarry and there's a new one that just came out those games are narrative driven where you kind of look on the outside and you make choices for the player, and then in those particular games, your characters can die. Yeah, you lose people that. Yeah, because se- you're watching it like a movie. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those games, and I've seen like people playing them. But to me, the writing in those games are pretty campy, bad, pretty campy most yeah. of the time. Like, I definitely think that there's room for that media to be explored and for it to work. But I think for the most part, the game is more like not interesting. Even I, when you, I got kind of bored with Until Dawn. I'm not gonna lie. I had, so yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things that again, it's funny whenever I tell people, it's like the game that has ever scared me the most has been Minecraft. For me, it was Doom Two. <laughs> yeah, I mean Doom Two has some genuinely creepy moments. When you're younger, and especially you can lose yourself within the moment, and you know you're a lot more susceptible to those types of emotions when you're younger. It's very easy for any game to scare you. But for me, genuinely, one of the most tense moments in video games I felt, like terror, like actual terror, was playing Minecraft, and I didn't want to lose all the shit that I mined, and I could very well have died in the situation I was in. And in that moment, that's where the survival horror aspect of a game like that, even though it's not supposed to be survival horror, kicks in. Because now I'm not just losing time, I'm losing all of my resources, which was just as scary. Could you apply that to any game that has permadeath, though? You could, but it's so hard to actually... Like, imagine playing a level 88 hunter, uh, demon hunter in Diablo 3 on hardcore. You you can you to know. an extent, but it's also one of those things that, like, you have to understand that when a game accidentally does it, when a game is purposely trying to go for it. So, and then the issue is, too, more so, is that for most of the time inside of those runs you're talking about with Diablo, right? Yeah. It's more frustrating, because most of the time you die, it's either due to a very slight, like, lapse of concentration. Sure. The server hiccups or some bullshit happens yeah. that you just couldn't gotten out of, and it was, you know, and it was, like... It was not, you couldn't respond to it. It was literally impossible for you to react to that situation. Yep. And in that case, the moment becomes frustrating. Yeah, and it's not in scary. Mode, it turns into a fucking bullet hell. Yeah, it's not scary. It's frustrating. Yeah. And that's yeah. the problem. And that's like, sure. that's the genuine moment of like issues that horror games have where it's not just about losing time. It should be about losing something that's valuable to the player. And horror games really haven't gotten there yet. Can permadeath systems make any game scarier? Yes, but. Imagine any video game now that you play, add a permadeath system to it, and 
imagine any game that you play that has an unfair situation of like, well, you have to learn the telegraphs to a boss attack, but you don't know them, so if you get yeah. hit and you die, it doesn't feel like it's to any fault of your so own. So it would be like me saying, oh, Jedi out or Jedi Fallen Order has now has permadeath. Am I scared? Not really. No, not really. You're kind of, <laughs> well, you're probably going to be more like, oh, Aware fuck. and be like, damn, now i got to restart this whole game, but it's not going to be scary. It's not going to be scary. It's going to be more frustrating. True. As opposed to if there was a game that's kind of making it more aware to you as a player that dying has very real consequences and you should be <laughs> like Ready Player One, you die in the game, you die in real life. Uh, that's not Ready Player One. That's brain sort of, scan. That's sort of online. Oh yeah, yeah. But it, it's still the idea though that it's really hard to get a player invested into a situation unless there's something that they really don't want to lose, and that's very hard to convey into a video game mm-hmm. in, in a meaningful way that most players... you can keep dying and after you keep dying, you're like, okay, the, the scare is gone. Yeah, it's like... Well, it's, yeah, we, we actually had this discussion years ago with Bioshock. Yeah. yeah. With, the, with the save states. Yeah, but it, it's still, again, one of those things that a game can startle you. It's easy to be startled. Somebody yelling up, coming Slender up behind Man. you. Yeah, somebody coming up behind you yelling, I think Slender Man was a, that one, the original Slender Man game where you look for the pages. That was actually pretty good, in my opinion. One of the best jump scare games I've ever played. I think so. If the static would get worse and worse yeah. the closer he got. Yep. Yeah, but it's still... Or Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, the thing with Final I think two is like two jump scared me the most in terms of jump scares. Yeah, but the thing that you have to think about it with jump scares though is that it's more like a jump startle because are you really scared? No, you're gonna jump, but you're probably gonna be more like oh, oh fuck, I died, shit, fuck me. You're not gonna like get like legitimately terrified oh, at the right. situation. Yeah, be- I think the only one that was actually kind of like, being was a kind of yeah. was kind of good was like was it Five Nights at Freddy's four. That's the bad one where the kid, right? Yeah, that's the bedroom one of the kid. But even then, more as myself as a player, like I get more frustrated because it's like, okay, I gotta listen very carefully, and it's more infuriating when it's a loud noise in my fucking ears than it was for me dying. All right, what about three then for you? Because well, you have to do so much, and you're constantly on the screen for rebooting, restarting, and there's so much things. Once you know how three works, and it's how you're supposed to beat the game, it's not because it's like, okay, go here. And okay, even reset. The, even with like the when the and go here. Okay. And reset the thing and sound. Oh, he's in the vent. Block it. Now he's back again and hit this area. It's very easy. Okay. It's very easy to cheese the game. Okay. So it like initially can it be scary? Yes, but does it wear off pretty quickly? I think it would. Yes, because I re- I'm replaying um not sister location the newest one Se- security breach. Yeah. And, and it's not as scary as it used to be anymore because I, I I can I can kind of like do what, what people were doing with amnesia, where like they were taunting and after a while like hey we can do this and just taunt the monster. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things that like in order for a horror game to genuinely be terrifying, like there has to be moments in the game that you're afraid to lose something. And again, progress is generally one of those things, but losing resources that are very important should be the other thing. And I think there could be a horror game that pulls it off, but we'll have to see. Either way, I don't think that this podcast was supposed to break into the whole aspect of horror games since it's not Halloween. It's Christmas time. Right. Uh, bah humbug. But I do have one particular... What games do you guys have to talk about? Evil West. Evil West, man, dude. That, so, that was my game that I was surprised the most about playing. Because I'm. everyone's like, it plays like a 360 game. And I'm like, you make no, it... No, so- I said it plays like a 360 game and was told to go kill myself. Well, no, like, there's like... <laughs> what oh, the fuck? Yeah, on YouTube, some dumbass on YouTube said... Because I, I, I had likened it to... I compared it to, like, the games from 2010, like... 
Bulletstorm and Gears, I had said that's what this reminds me of, is like those types of games, and some guy was like, this game plays nothing like Gears, go kill yourself. It was a YouTube commenter, oh. I was just like, really? Wow, we have a... Did he, I, I, like, I, delete your com- delete something? He, he deleted his comment after I called him out on it. Yeah. Like, wow, we got a, we've yeah. got an internet badass over here. So I, I just, I, I, I called him out on it, and then he deleted his comment, so I just blocked him, was like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I've actually been told to kill myself by people in real life. You think a YouTuber is gonna fucking affect no, me? No, I mean... Come but on. my thing is just this, like, that was something I was like, okay, I love, like, steampunk, I love, like, the steampunk western style thing, I'm gonna give this game a chance. So I did, I mean, I did, and you know what, it reminds me of, like, a dash of Gears of War. I, s- I think it reminds me of Gears because of the weight of, um... Yes, the weight of your character. I'm drawing a blank now, what the hell's his name? Not Cole. Not Cole. Uh... Well, your I'm, father's part of, like, the institution. I'm, I'm, draw- I'm totally Rentier, drawing a I think they're called, like, the Rentier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But. Jesse? Maybe it's Jesse. I'm going to Google this right now. But uh, <laughs> I don't remember why I can't think of his name. But the weight that this character has behind him, because he has a lasso that he can, like, latch onto things and, like, pull him ac- pull himself across, uh, like, gaps where he can, like, pull down certain objects. And when he throws his lasso, he's got, like, this heft to him, and he reminded me of Marcus's weight when he runs. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, and the guy's like, there's no tactic, there's no, um, this doesn't play like Gears, and I think he meant... It he, is Jess. I think he yeah, thought... Jesse. Yeah, I think he thought that I thought that the game had um, a cover system, which it doesn't. It's no. a It's a run-and-gun third-person shooter. But, like, the but the movement, the weight of him and all the gun sound and everything like yeah. that, it, it reminds me of, like, like, Gears of War style. It reminds me of that era of gaming. Yes. Only better. This is, like, a very, very, very polished, polished. good-looking 2010 game. Yes. Again, Steam Punk. This is a good I, thing. I nice. love yeah. steampunk. All the stuff that's going down with it, with the cool electricity. Yeah. Getting that gauntlet is fun. Yeah. Where you're, you essentially can start pulling enemies towards yep. you and stunning them, and go, and then you got a ground beat. pound with an AOE. Yeah, you can also like charge at them with the with the the gauntlet and stun multiple enemies. I have it upgraded to where I can I can pull three enemies or go towards three enemies and stun them. I only have one at the at this moment. I think the part that I'm at was where. I think they just repaired the gauntlet, and I got into the swamp area. That's where oh, I'm okay, at. Okay, okay. Yeah, pretty much, though, is, like, the main idea is you're part of, like, this secret organization. Pretty much, you're vampire hunters. Yep. And those just reminds me of, like, what the Order should have been. Oh, the Order 1886? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's what... I still rem- haven't played that, and I have it on PS4. So do I. I just haven't... I never played that, it. The Order was something that, when you watched it with all the cool steampunk weapons, you're like, damn, I want to play this game. And then you played it, and you're just like, Wow! This was okay. This is like a, like a six-hour game. It's mm. not that long. That's the other thing. What was the was it? I don't remember if it was this game or something else. I think it was this game because I think somebody was saying that you can beat this game in I think six uh, eight hours or something. It's mm-hmm. a very short game, and the comments in the um, the comments in the YouTube were like eight, eight uh, sixty or seventy dollars for an eight-hour game. No thanks. And it's like. When did the amount of time that it takes to beat a game determine how much money a game is well, worth, even if it's super high quality? So the, the thing is, is that so many people have the mindset of like games. Uh, I need. Um, I gotta watch what I spend. Games aren't cheap, so I therefore I have to make sure that I get the most bane out of my buck. If this game is this, then is it worth it for me? In my opinion, I got it for forty. I'm having a blast. Yeah, I, I I did pick this one up for I think forty bucks. 
Yeah, on, it's, on not, Green it's not anymore now, but I mean, like... Well, I had credit. That's why my, I got it for cheap. But no, like, there's all this stuff that's going down on this game, and it's done well. And it's like, I just don't understand people's, like, gripe with this game. I'm having fun. Is it a perfect game? No. Is the story a little silly in some aspects of, like, what's going on? Yes, but it's still a good game. Oh, yeah. It's like you got uh, the organization of vampire hunters, and then there's, like, a big bad, and you kill one of their main dudes, which sends the vampires after the organization. But no, it's his daughter that sends everyone after yeah. you. And her, his daughter reminds me of Alma from Yeah, Fear. and then if anyone doesn't know, like, it, if anyone has read the comic books or seen the movie Priest, mm-hmm. have you, Andrew? What? The seen? movie Priest. No. Oh, my God. I think the weapon that I just got was a cross. It's a stunner. Okay, I've, I've never used it's that. It's literally an electrical pulse stunner, and when you and it, every single enemy around you gets electric, gets um, stunned. Hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's like one of the, like mini bads or whatever. I it, do like I, I'm going to call it Super Saiyan mode. But I don't know what it actually is called, but like the the gauntlet goes into overdrive and you just beat the ever living crap out of everybody. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And then you have like another move where you like dash forward and. <laughs> Just start punching the shit out of people. Oh, I turns, love that! It, I love that! I love stunning them and just going ham. And on the them. visuals on it is that turn they turn into like skeletons. It's like an X-ray vision type yeah, of thing where that, they're getting. It does fried. that cartoon like this? Is like the Looney cartoon thing when they get yeah. electrocuted, you see the bones. This is almost like a shooter mixed with like fighting game mechanics because yeah. there's so many different things you can do that it you have to memorize all sorts of different moves. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nuts. And basically, the the gameplay loop in this is you'll walk into a room, you'll be like, all right, this is an open area, there's going to be a boss fight, you walk forward, there's a whole crap load of enemies, you kill a bunch of stuff, maybe get a cutscene, go to the next area. That That's basically how this goes. It's just like over and over and over. That's the, that's the loop for this game. And then you have like a chest with money in them, there will be... I don't know if they called them legendary chests, but sometimes you'll unlock either like skins or you'll get. Um, do you get new weapons from those chests? What? No, you you get weapons. I think it's just skins. It's just skins for and, those and chests. And money. Yes. Ever so often, you'll find a weapon and stuff like that. Like, oh, this was my friend's. You know, like here's a revolver. Here's a leather action. Mm. I'll take this kind of situation because the weapons are pretty cool. You got a little TNT. Yep. You can you can throw. You have a crossbow. Wait, you can. Th- I don't have TNT yet. I does. Oh, I don't have TNT yet. Um, leather action revolver. Not not revolver. A leather action rifle. rifle. Yep. And then you have a pet revolver. Yep. Um, you have your cool gauntlet. Yep. You also have a flamethrower. And I just got a Gatling gun a little bit ago. Ah, uh, see, I don't have either of those two either. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not super far into it. Um, but I, I like what I played. It's a fun game. I don't yeah. know why the hell and there's so like, much hate. Like, well, I know, exactly. Now, like, the funniest part of all is, like... But these... this seems to be a running theme that I'll get into in a second. Yeah, like, the, the funniest part of all is, like, the one thing that I, I will give them props for is, like, just in the idea of, like, how do they make people that will protect them while they're outside, well, you know, when the sun's out, they have, like, those weird familiars where, like, uh, some of them can turn into werewolves, then they have, like, the ones that have, like, giant leeches all over them that are yep. vampiric. I hate those guys. Wait until you see the big one, the bigger, bigger ones. Mm. There's all different kinds. There's like one that's a mole. There is one that's. Like oh, a, I fought a, one of them. What about the spider? No. There's a spider one yet. Haven't bought that yet. It'll, she'll shoot webs at you. You gotta time your shots just right to shoot them. Huh. And if not, he hits you with the web. It does damage, and you get stuck, and he'll start pouncing on you. Then there's a standard vampire one, mm. and then like the little minions. There's like a bunch of them that have like just weird leeches all over them. Yeah, and like, then you the get the leeches are everywhere. Yeah. 
you get like boss fights where there's like gigantic basically demons they're like huge hulking things with wings oh yeah man and i mean like, you do basically just uppercut those guys and just start kicking the crap out of them yeah a lot, a lot of melee in this game i was surprised at how big of a focus melee is it's not a bad problem. i like it i think it's, it's a good thing that yeah. like, like i was kind of like oh man we're gonna really focus on this but like the best way to describe it is dark watch had a love child with gears of war Sure, I could see that. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. And then throw in some kind of like melee game. I don't even know. Yeah, is it as detail? Is it as detail as Devil May Cry? No. Can you pull off combos and do something cool and same thing? You mean in terms of like, is it is it as deep as Devil May Cry? Yeah, when it comes to because the detail in this game, I'm playing on a with a uh, uh, RTX 3080. This game is gorgeous. Again, the steampunk is what sets it apart with the lightning and all the electricity all over the place. Sometimes when you get to certain areas, and it just it. I mean, I'm just thinking like the light, the RT, uh, the RTX lighting in this game, and like the environments look amazing. I like it. This game looks great. I mean, again, this was something that was just like, oh, I can get it for this much money. I'll buy it. Blah, 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 blah. And I pick it up, and I'm going like, wow, this is fun. Yeah. Like, I'm not like I'm not bored by it. I'm not upset by it. I'm having fun playing it. And so, like, everyone's griping about it. It's like, it feels like a nice... Like, there's multiple people in the forum saying, like, it feels like an Xbox 360 game. Why is that a bad thing? The Xbox 360 games that came out in that era were fun as hell. Yeah. Like, I had a blast playing all of them. I yeah. don't get it. I don't freaking get it. I, I don't know, but this playing. seems to be a running theme, though, too, because I've also heard the same thing. I'm not going to get into Midnight Suns because I haven't even played it yet, but I bought Marvel's Midnight Suns two two days ago. I've released on uh, Thursday night, I think. And um, I went into a live stream with the, the devs that were playing a two-hour live stream, and everybody that was watching that game said, looks like a game on cell phone. Why isn't this game $5? Game looks like shit. Hmm. It's, and it's just like the game's graphics are kind of iffy, but the gameplay in that game looks solid. I don't have experience with it, but everybody was so negative on it, and it's just like, what? What the hell? And then then people were doing the same thing they were doing with the Batman stuff, where they're just like, man, if only this game was an action RPG instead of um, a card battler. And it's like, if you don't like strategy games, what the hell are you doing on the channel? Why watch the game? This game's made by Firaxis, the dudes that made XCOM. Why complain if you don't like strategy? I just don't get it. I don't get people anymore. It's like everybody wants to bitch. <laughs> I don't understand. See, like, I like, I just don't feel like I understand. Like, like, people will talk about it, like, what do you want? I miss the old days of this time and this time. Okay, we'll make a game like that. And all of a sudden, they, then they bitch. I mean, it's it's kind of hypocritical because we're complaining about people complaining. But, like, the same thing's happening with Callisto Protocol right now. I heard it's Everybody's buggy, bitching about that game, too. Why? Uh, for, for one thing, on the PC, it's very poorly optimized. There's okay. stutters all over the place. But that's a legitimate complaint. Yeah, though. that is a legitimate complaint. But other people are saying it's... Some people in, I mean, Metacritic, blah, 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 but they're saying it's too hard. Like, it's legitimately too difficult. And it's like, so you want the game to hold your hand? Who, what, what's wrong with challenge in video games? What, 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 you're, in a, you're playing a horror apocalypse-style game in space... It shouldn't be easy, in my opinion. That game's gory as shit. That's what I heard. <laughs> I, I was my one friend showed me like the cutscene, like like, like they were pl- showing off some games. Like, oh, here's a, there's a spare space suit, and it's like, oh, here's a spare space boot. Open up the door, and it opens and it twists it, and you hear like bone crunching sound, and all of a sudden, like you realize that there was a person that was dead in the suit. Huh. Wow, wow. And then you hear the crunch, and then also like you realize like it just removed this person's head. Huh. And like, here's your suit. 
don't know, I was watching, there's some dude, Bruce something, I don't know what his name is on Twitch. He, he was He's a voice actor for Gotham Knights, but he was playing Callisto Protocol yesterday. And he shot one of these mutant, I don't know what they are, some, one, some mutant dude with a gun, some type of gun, and literally took a chunk of his skull away. Oh my god. Like, there's dismemberment in this game, like in Dead Space, and, like, the game's got some weird telekinetic thing, like, force powers type of stuff, where you can just, like, Like, Dead pick, Space? Yeah, you... Wait, that has it too? Yes. I, I haven't played Dead Space. I'm oh, not into horror games. It does. Yeah. But you can, like, pick stuff up and, like, throw, throw uh, the enemies into, like, meat grinders and shit. Mm-hmm. The game looks fun. It's just people... I, people aren't happy anymore. I don't understand what the hell the negativity well, everyone, is. is everyone it's like will... the whole gaming community has just gone... It's, baby mode, wham. It, it's it's very easy now to kind of jump to conclusions about a game. I feel that you're gonna immediately have negative feelings about, or you're gonna let other people like influence your feelings upon a game. And I feel that's a huge issue with the gaming community. Also, on top of the fact that a lot of people need to be reminded that just because you don't like something does not make you interesting or smart. It just makes you annoying most of the time. Mm. It's 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 good when you can have an argument about a game that isn't good. Or then argument about a game that might have a different perspective. Like, if you legitimately can find a game that you do not like and other people do, it doesn't mean that your, you know, thoughts aren't less, aren't, you know, as valid. But the problem is, is that you need to have compelling arguments with why you don't like a game instead of it being like, oh, this game sucks because I don't like it. And it's just like, okay, the and? The excuse of, like, it's, this is game's too easy only for babies, or this game is too hard, why I can't beat this boss, this sucks. Yeah. Those it, are not valid excuses. I mean, that goes back to the Cuphead argument. Well, yeah, it's Cuphead, Elden Ring. Yeah, it's the same concept. Everyone, so, I mean, I watch so many people, like, like uninstall, I'm done, this game sucks, it pisses me off. I'm like, why? But, well, I'm dying. Who cares? It's Learn the pattern. It, that's yeah. the point. Yeah, and so the problem is that, again, it comes back to the idea that you have to, if you're going to listen to people being negative about a game, like, genuinely, if you're watching somebody being negative about a game, that's fine. If you're looking for, like, their opinion on a game and you want to feed, help it to feed or temper your own opinion about a game. Yeah. But if somebody genuinely has, like, a, just a very bad opinion or very undercooked opinion or just, in, you know, let's use the, like, contradictory statement of saying a wrong opinion here where they genuinely might be saying something but they don't understand what they're saying. So going back to somebody having a wrong opinion like about Cuphead because they don't know how to double jump or the one guy who has one of the most infamous uh, Half-Life reviews on the uh, internet or not review but gameplay sessions on the internet because he thinks that crouch jumping is a glitch and not an intended video game design hmm. and so he thinks the game sucks because it has crouch jumping. What's wrong with crouch jumping? Uh, this guy is very bad at video games and he's fucking, uh, for lack of a better word very mentally deficient as a human being. Uh, I just mean as a mechanic. Who cares? What, what's wrong with crouch jumping? This person likes to bitch and hates everything, oh. and he's just a very bad person at video games, and he's just genuinely has some of the most unpopular opinions ever. And he's literally that one guy in a room of 99 who has an opinion that he ha- like he hates something, and that the other 99 people are like, well, we like it, and he thinks, well, all of you are wrong because I have this opinion. He's one of those types of people. So genuinely, if you find reviews or videos like that where people have like these really bad opinions, but they're kind of like le- in their own minority and they can't do a good job explaining why it's bad, you can pretty much dismiss that opinion as just false or uh. bad. Again, going back to the guy thinking that, you know, crouch jumping is a glitch. His opinion is so fucking bad and his actual like delivery of why he thinks it's a bad, you know, concept in a video game was so fucking 
piss poor that he just gets shit on by the entire gaming community for having opinions altogether. Hmm. But it it's one of those things that, you know, like, unfortunately, he keeps going out there and putting out his opinion and everybody keeps making fun of him because it's like, bro, you're just fucking wrong. <laughs> like, legitimately wrong. Like, it, it, like, I don't like to tell you that it's possible to have a wrong opinion, but this guy literally just has wrong opinions. And I think he does it just to be contradictory and just to piss people off. And to be fair, it's how he made his platform. So, like... He's shit in the bed and he sleeps in it, so, like, whatever, I guess, but... I genuinely, I mean, people still listen to the guy, so, man. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Most people do it as an ironic thing, but oh. the problem is, is that if They're you have... still giving them views. Yeah, if you have 100,000 people clicking on a video, on, like, to ironically enjoy it, he's still getting views and money and revenue, so maybe you should stop fucking doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You. So, for in terms of, like... The, uh, what was it, Callisto? Was that the yeah, name of the game? Yep, yep, yeah, yep. I haven't seen enough on it yet to actually know if people are just genuinely being negative about it or if it's worth playing. I don't know. So hey, I, I mean, the, the PC glitches, I have seen the stutters and stuff. That that legitimately is uh, a fair uh, criticism. It... Because it's just not optimized right. I've seen the stutters in the in the um, Twitch streams. It's it's legitimately bad, but I think they patched it out a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things that you know, if a game has poor, but perform- that's like legitimately broken. Yeah, if a game has poor performance, like a game I'm going to be talking about in a bit, like you know, is it game breaking to the point to where you can't enjoy the game? Nope. Then, not, not in terms of Callisto. It was, then, it was playable. It was just annoying. Yeah, and so it's one of those things that if people, if it's annoying, that's fine. But if people are just blowing it out of proportion, you can generally just kind of look at them and go, yeah, okay, you're, you're overblowing this. The, in Callisto's case, everybody on I've, in the reviews that I've seen, they're all saying it's too hard. I mean, if you'd say a game is too hard, I... I, do, do people bitch like this about Dark Souls, about Bloodborne, about oh, dude, everyone, yes. Elden Ring? Dude, and, and oh, so, dude, yes. Everyone, I've I, I watched so many people go like... Like, why do you think Eldarines, like, should be winning the game of the year? I'm like, dude, look at the world. Like, the story is okay, but what sets Eldarine apart for me, why it should be game of the year, is just the world itself. It's so unique and so cool. There are so many unique bosses that are so designed well, that and just so well. The way well. that the RPG mechanics in that game in general are structured. But anyway. when, it, when it comes to difficulty in video games, right? And I think the, uh, I can't remember his name, but he worked on Plutonia. So Doom, you know, the Plutonia experiment. Yeah. So the thing is, is that this is a way that you have to look about difficulty in video games. If anybody who's ever actually played Plutonia or knows what Plutonia is for Doom. Yeah, I've never heard it, of that. It, it is one of the most brutally fucking difficult campaigns for the original, Do- like for Doom, like hmm. for the old school Doom game. They are, it is an infamous fucking level set for Doom. It is that brutally difficult. Nowadays, people kind of gotten better, you know, they might know how the game works and, you know, but as a, like, casual fan, if you go into this, like, the Plutonia experiment and you're playing it, you're going to get brutalized, like, legitimately. The game does not hold your hand. It does not walk through a door and, like, 80 imps just hit you all at once. So think about walking into an open room and there's, like, eight chain gunners just shooting you at the same time. Or, hey, hey, there's a chain gunner on this ledge, but behind the chain gunner is a uh, (laughs) arch uh, arch file rezzing him. So the game is brutal. The game is absolutely brutally difficult. The game does not hold your hands. Yeah. And so it's a very difficult game. So it's almost it almost goes from a first-person shooter to a first-person puzzle shooter. Uh, How do I approach this room? How do I kill these enemies without dying? You could think of it like that, except for, like, there's a lot of maps in this game that have some of the best combat of the original Doom games. Mm. And it's because the people who made this game were experts in their field. And the thing is, is that the main person who worked on this basically put out a quote saying, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who say that Plutonia is too hard. If I played a level and thought it was too hard or too easy, I made it harder. 
he, that difficulty was deliberate in his eyes. So if a game dev is going in and they're making their game difficult. If somebody makes a game and the person that made that game can beat that game, is there justification by saying the game is too hard if the creator can beat it? So it goes both ways. If there is something that only the creator would know that allows him to beat the level. I mean, just in general. Uh, it's hard. So let me put it like this. You have an obstacle that you can jump over this obstacle and it's like it's a pixel perfect jump. But the creators found out a way to like I put an invisible wall over here. I didn't tell people about it. It gives me a speed boost. I jump over it. So I say it's too easy because I know what I'm doing and everybody else is just an idiot. But if you don't know about that, it's that doesn't count. Right. And But it's the idea that if the game developer is saying, no, I think everybody is just bad at video games. I'm really good at it. But he's quote unquote cheating or he knows the solution to the puzzle before everybody else does. Mm. And he's looking down at people. That is basically game de- designer uh, knowing the solution to the puzzle and not telling other people and yeah. not being fair about right. it. And yeah. that's genuinely bad game design. If a game developer goes out there and says, I want a game with a pixel perfect jump in it because that to me is difficult. And to me, that is a fair challenge. And I want that and that's what they put in the game, then that's fair. And if other people are like, well, I don't like this, it's like, okay, you just don't like his game. And But there's going to be just as many people out there that just as validly like that challenge yeah. in the game. And therefore, those people who like that have found a game that they enjoy. People on a casual level could say that it's too difficult, and I'm not to tell you that a game isn't too difficult, but it's too difficult for you. And if exactly. you don't enjoy that aspect of the game, then maybe you should go play a different game, and this might not be the game for you. There is a point to where a game being too difficult is not a compromise to make. I don't know if the game is too difficult in a way that is unfair, or if it's too difficult in a way that, yes, the developers intend for this level of difficulty, and if you just can't meet, like match that level of skill that they're wanting of the player, yep. then this might not be the game for you. It and again, be like me saying, or asking Andrew, like, do you think the game Fury is too difficult? Yes. And Fury, Seriously? No, I, I didn't no, say no. No, 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 no. I don't think the game Fury is too difficult. No, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I get my butt kicked in Fury, but I love the game. But so, sorry, I kind of misunderstood the question here. So if you were to look at me and say that a game like is Fury too difficult, I'm going to say no. Because to me, I saw what the developer intentions were for that game very plainly. And I think that the, I think the game is a masterclass in craftsmanship. And what they really did with that game was awe-inspiring. I think Fury, again, is still one of the best video games I've ever played, and I don't say that lightly. And it's because the developer intentions were out there, and they were very clear with what they wanted the game to be. And they let, said, hey, players, here's the tools. Go nuts. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was such a beautifully well-done game. And to this day, it's still one of my favorite video games. But if anybody were to come up to me and say, hey, Fury's too difficult, I might be like, okay, well, I'm sorry. Fury just might not be the game for you. Right. It might not be. You're just not. You might not be good enough at it. I'm just not good at bullet hells. And the thing is, is that if you want to get better at it, you can beat it. The developers intend for people to be able to beat that game. It's not like a developer is going out there and saying, this pixel perfect jump, I want nobody else to be able to beat it except for me. And I'm going to sell this to people and tell them that they're stupid because they can't beat it. Right. No developer does that. That's the reason that when they make Mario Maker gay or Mario Maker levels they say give us a video showing us the game can you be have beat. to be able to beat the level, the level yourself beat, yes yeah. and so the thing is, is that no developer wants to put their levels out there are there well so, like, kids will put levels out there that aren't fun or fair for the sake of killing people sure. and that's just kid, a kid being a dick and they're getting their jollies out of it but like if you're a professional game designer and you're trying to make money and your living is on this you're not going to make something that is so brutally difficult that people aren't going to want to play it and then go out there and have a high mighty horse saying Haha, you're bad at video games yeah. you just couldn't do it wait where's all my 
money? Why am I going bankrupt? Why yeah, is my why, student... why does it suck? But but you know, at this point, there is going to be that level of difficulty that a developer wants to put in their game, and they're more than valid to do so. And they can tell players, like, hey, this is going to be a brutally difficult game, and if you don't like this level of difficulty, it's probably not for you. And that would be like Isn't anybody... That, wasn't that the slogan or something for Daikatana? Uh, yeah, we kind of don't talk about Daikatana, <laughs> though. Yeah. We'll, we'll, sorry, we'll preface this by saying that good video game. <laughs> yeah, right. but But, no, it's so it'd be like somebody coming up to me and saying that Double May Cry is too hard. Double May Cry is fun. I can say that Double May Cry can be difficult, especially if you're newer to the genre. Double May Cry 1 is not hard. Uh, but that's that's somebody coming from you, though. That's interesting because, like, for myself, I think that if you could be Devil May Cry One, you can beat Fury. No way, two totally different games. Two totally different games, but I do think that at some points the games will demand the same amount of concentration from the player. And I think that if you can concentrate enough for some of the more action-oriented parts of Devil May Cry One, you probably could beat Fury. Huh. It's just that you have to learn how to hone the skills that sure. you don't understand that you have yet for another game. Because I beat Devil May Cry 1 when it launched. Yeah. So I would argue that Devil May Cry 3 is hard. Yes. A lot of people actually argue, argue that Devil May Cry 3 like is hard. Like Cerebrus kicked my ass. And that's yeah. the first boss. Yeah. Cer- yeah. A lot of people get gatekept by uh, Cerberus. Like a lot of people. Are you nuts? I remember getting the nunchucks. I was like, this is all I'm using. Yeah. But it's funny because again, a lot that was actually one of the big cries for Devil May Cry 3 is a lot of people were like, well, this game is could be this game is too hard. And it's like, no. I think very much that the game the very beginning, the very first boss can be very difficult, but it also is one of those things that the game doesn't want to hold your hand. And I think the developers are very strict on saying, hey, we're not holding your hand. This is the game. You bought it. Play it. If you can beat it, you can beat it. And was, if you can't, then go play something else. Was it Team Ninja that made Ninja Gaiden? Uh, yes. Ninja so, Gaiden. I mean, that was like a benchmark for difficulty before Dark Souls. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and again, it was one of those things that people who rose to the challenge to beat it were met with one of the finest action games that they've ever played and again that's good and that people who couldn't beat it sobbed like little fucking weeping children yep. and pissed that the I game got to was... that old man and he kicked my ass yeah and they just pissed and moaned that the game was too difficult instead of you know sitting down and trying to either hone their skills or get better at the game and, and you know if there, if you get to a game and you can't beat it I don't think there's any shame in looking up guides sure and looking up ways to beat bosses if you legitimately can't do it yourself, and that's fine, especially if it's going to help you learn how to play games better, because I think that's actually a valid way of learning. It's kind of like doing art. What's your opinion of looking up guides before you even start a game? <sighs> I've got a 20-point video that I want to watch before I even dive into Marvel's Midnight Suns, like tips and tricks in my opinion, <laughs> before I even my, start my the game. My opinion is this. If this is something that you are not used to and you're not good this, at... The Marvel's Midnight Suns is a tactical card-based RPG. And see, that's something I would actually... I don't play those I games. would honestly watch some videos over it and just it, get a feel for it and see what's going on so, before I do anything. I'm sorry, I would. So if you're doing it for the sake of learning if it's a game that you're going to want to buy or not, that's a very valid thing to do. Because if you look into it and it's like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this game based on gameplay, I'm not going to buy it. And, you know, that's good on you. You saved your money and, you know, you're not going to put an opinion out there that the game is bad instead of you should be saying this game is not for me. In my case, I want to look up these tips because this is a 70-plus hour RPG. And, that was, and I don't want to screw it up. And that was the other part point I was going to make is that some people have very busy lives and the thing is is that if you're looking up a tips and tricks video for a game and it's so that you can more uh, efficiently beat the game but you might want to say keep the spoilers down to a low so you could still experience the story again I think that's perfectly valid if you don't have a lot of time to yourself Mm. and you really just want to see the story beats but you can't be bothered to learn 
all the broken ass stat combos or whatever for an RPG, I think there is a valid argument there to be made that yes, going up and looking up a guide even before you play the game, or if you want to have a walkthrough with the game, that that's perfectly fine. Like, I don't think that that's something that's, you know, wrong intrinsically. I think there's, however you want to play and enjoy a game is up to you. I don't care how you enjoy or play a game as long as you had fun with it. Sure. But it's one. It's it would also be the flip side of saying that, like, well, if your opinion is based around somebody else's opinion on the game that you just watched a video of, that's wrong, and you should formulate your own opinion on a system. Right. And so again, it's it's a catch twenty two. There's a lot of very fine lines there that are important for people to understand before they go forward and say, I think this game is really good because I watched a guide on it and it made the game very easy. And it's like, um, but what about what about your opinion on like I just watched a. 40 minute video on a game that I'm interested in the game looks like crap so therefore I don't want to buy it now okay that's fine because I did that for X-Men Destiny because I've been on a it, superhero kick and yeah. I watched like 40 minutes of the X-Men Destiny playthrough of like a 3 hour video and I was like this game looks outdated the mechanics look garbage yeah and that's perfectly again that's perfectly valid <laughs> that goes back to the first point if you want to watch a walkthrough guide of a game yeah. to see if it's something that you're going to enjoy or not and then you make a decision on whether or not you're going to purchase this based on gameplay right. that's perfectly fine yeah, that's they, 100% they, they lost perfectly. the sale because of that video that's perfectly fine though that's a good thing we on the internet now you know it's nice that we have a consumer base that can be like hey if you're a big fan of jrpgs you're gonna love this jrpg because of these reasons and then people lost odyssey yeah well lost odyssey actually i just watched a video on the first part of that pretty (laughs) cool actually but yeah that's actually again a very valid thing to say is that yes if you really want to get you know a secondhand look at a game before you buy it that's important i can't tell you how many times i watched g4 back in the day and they would have a video game montage of just games playing and i would say I really want to fucking play this. And so I did. I, uh, the first time I saw Devil May Cry 1 was on G4. And I mm-hmm. can't remember what it was. I can't remember what show it was. But it was just showing... Uh, what was it? It Was it called Cinematech? Yes. I remember that name. And, and then the show was nothing but just clips from video games. That's uh-huh. the, whole, the whole channel... That was the whole 30-minute episode was they were just showing, you know, beautiful music the music over video games, and they were just showing gameplay game over games. And it was a good way for players to say, hey, do I want to go play this or not? I actually really like that channel. I think, honestly, that's a very lost... You ever art. heard of Cinemasker? Yes. Yeah, that guy's pretty funny. Yeah, but I think, honestly, like, Cinematech was, like, a really lost art. I would really like to see more of that kind of style of like videos made in the future. they're not coming back so the g4 is dead yeah well i mean you can anybody can make cinematech yeah. anybody could go out there and take images or you know video from a game and put music over it and do this oh you mean just like uh old school video game montages it, it kind of was a video game montage but it wasn't a video game montage it was kind of like a, a glorified commercial for a game ah it's it was hard to explain so like it would just be like here's like, again, I saw Devil May Cry through this, right? And it just had some really cool music over it, and it just had some of the combos, like Dante playing it. And I was like, this game looks like a lot of fun. And then I went and bought the game because I liked the gameplay footage that was on the screen. And I was treated to one of the very best fucking action, you know, uh, fighters, or, you know, games, I've, or spectacle fighters, I guess is the proper term for it now, that I've ever played in my life. And it got me hooked into the genre. And, yeah. and technically, G4, in a sense... Some people of the G- original G4 cast still have um, licensings. I believe Kevin Pereira owns the rights for the Twitch <laughs> G4, which is really confusing because technically he got in trouble with the rights for you know lying about how many people he was actually having on his streams. Interesting. Yeah. But he owns that, and a few other people own something else. So. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's, it's funny that you bring up the montage thing because I did the same thing for DMC, Devil May Cry. Yeah. Because somebody had a montage of it's a it's a band called Combi Christ. It's like a heavy metal band. They put uh-huh. that music over a whole bunch of fight scenes and DMC Devil May Cry, and I was like, the music's cool and the game looks interesting. I'm buying this. Yeah, and it's one of those things that again, I think that like, and the music wasn't a part of the See, game. See, I love. Right. DM- I don't care what anyone says. Devil May Cry DMC to me, as I really enjoyed it. Hmm. I know it's its own venture. I wish they would make a sequel to it because I really had a blast playing it. Right, Team Ninja still exists. I I know what. Well, I see people's gripes about it, and I was like, I understand that, but man, dude, I had fun. Yeah, at the end of the day, all that matters is that you have fun. And so, again, that's why I think that, again, it's valid for if you see gameplay of a game without even really knowing anything about the game, then it's valid for you to go watch it play the game because of that alone. And that's fine, you know. Like I, I liked watching footage of people playing Final Fantasy XI. I'm never gonna go play it, but I enjoyed watching enough footage of it to actually go see and like dive into the community a little bit to see what the game is all about. No, it's like, you well, don't want to play a red mage and go kick some ass. Yeah, not with that game. No, <laughs> I don't want to spend 70 hours grinding just to go get some mid-game content. Ah. Oh, God. Wow. But, you know, the, the thing is, though, is that, again, that's a very valid thing, is that if you even just want to find a game to play because you heard the name of it and you want to go find footage of it and it helps you buy the game or not, then that's, again, perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, speaking of uh, buying a game, here's a message from our sponsors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't have sponsors. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a second. God's Gonna Cut You Down by Johnny Hilliard and Justin Andre from the Evil West Reveal Trailer. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Featuring Greeting Boy, Delta D's, and Ham Sandwich. Produced by Glitch City. It's a whole open world and I'm stepping in Hella trainers, I'ma prove that I'm better than Pick my starter and my moves are competitive When my team catch me cruising through every jail I'ma shine like I terrestrialize Put my EVs up and my IVs maximized So you know I like to strategize Try to take my team on without the strategies ill advice uh, But you know I'm finna fight on On the path of legends and I'm taking on some Titans Baddie trying to rival me, she looking like Nimona She call me legendary, I got something she can ride on Nah, there's no competing, listen when I'm speaking I'm gonna be the greatest in the whole Padilla region Team full of stars but you'll never reach my ceiling Lot of cause an uproar if you sleeping. Wherever I go, I make my own road. I'll never stop, no, I know that it was meant to be. Whatever I face, I make my own way. Was born to be great, I know that it's my uh, destiny. Pokemon. Ah! Now Pokemon. we're back. Pokemon? 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 So, so it's funny Can that I you find the Cosby clip where he goes Pokemon. Pokemon. So it's funny that we just had before break. Uh, we had I had that kind of like as a segue a little bit where if you want to look up footage of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet to, I see, have. If it, to see if it's a game that you would play or not. Again, that's perfectly valid. The motorcycle looks like a, or the 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 vehicle thing with the the thing with the 
tires on the back. Yes. It's, it's like an actual Pokemon that you're riding, but it looks like a balloon to me. Yeah, the one weird thing. one is apparently like Scarlet. Like the Pokemon has wheels, but yet it runs. Yeah, yeah. I have Scarlet, and his name is... And it, that Scar- doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it looks weird. So... I just think it looks like, like an inflated balloon. I have a no, lot of... No, I think to- for you, would sit, you would put it in a pool. Yeah. Like a floaty. Yeah, yes. floaty. The funny thing about this game is that I have a lot to say about this game, which is really which funny. Which one? Scarlet. Oh, you can play Violet. Violet's the one that I'm going to buy whenever they but, pass every, the everybody, everybody has bought Violet, so I bought Scarlet, and um, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with so that. So first question, did they fix it? No. It's not patched yet? Not yet. Okay. The problem is, is that Nintendo is very stingy on patches, so it's very hard to put a day one patch into a game, so you kind of have to do a bulk patch. How for long the has this game been out? Like a, a week, week and a half. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's not yeah, very okay. long. Okay. So the funny thing about it is that, so like a good example is like if you have a game crashing bug in the game, you kind of have to go to Nintendo and give them like an urgent, like we need this fixed right fucking now and Nintendo might do it. But if it's mostly small patches, Nintendo doesn't like doing that. So they're like, hey, give us a bulk patch. So to give you an idea, one of the things that's broken in the game right now is the online RNG when you're fighting other players. Hmm. It's set. Which is bad. So that means that you know exactly if you were to use like an instant one hit move, uh-huh. because you know what the RNG of the fight is, you could dictate when that happens. Not good. That's very bad. And how, so, how are they determining what is broken? Are players writing in? Like, how do you do that? What do you mean? Power Nintendo. How how is Nintendo figuring out how is whatever whoever the it's company, players? How, it's, how do it's, they figure? It's players. So players are gonna go and they're gonna find something and they're gonna bitch to Game Freak and then Game Freak is gonna be like, ah, we need to fucking fix so is this. It like a forum thing. It's hard to explain. It's basically any feedback you have from Twitter, forums, anything. Mm-hmm. So, like, any amount of information like that that's getting sent to Game Freak, they're paying attention to. Okay. And so, trust me when I say they're getting it. Sure. The opening cutscene having T-posing characters. <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you right now, that was reported to Game Freak day fucking one within the first hour of the game being released. They're very well aware of it. They're going to have to fix it with digital pat- with patches, but I think Nintendo... Nintendo is wanting them to release a patch. I don't know if Game Freak's ready for it or not, but we don't know. So, as of right now, is the game been fixed? No. Uh, so, going forward, say, two years from now, is Game Freak a company that would be like, all right, our game sucked at launch. This game's totally patched now. We're going to re-release this game in a hard copy. Totally patched. Totally fixed. Will they do that? No. Oh. Uh, knowing Game Freak, no. Unfortunately. No. Um... So I guess if you want my very bare bones review of the game, first bare and foremost, bones. before I kind of spoil anything about the game. The way you said that was funny. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, if you want a numerical score for this game right now, until the bugs are fixed and some of the more graphical details in this game are fixed and some of the performance issues are taken care of, I think this game is like a solid six or seven right now. Uh, my question would be until the bugs are fixed, is this a buy or wait? It's still a buy. Believe it or not, it's still a buy. If the bugs and the performance issues were fixed right now, I would very easily say that this is a solid 9 out of 10, and it is very easily the best Pokemon game ever made. And Uh, I... What did you rate Arceus? uh, I think it was a 6. Ooh. Arceus was a 6 to me. Uh, 6 is still a passing grade. But again, Arceus... We had this this argument about the scoring system where, like... We, we talked about like games that were in the six that were rated six or seven to I'm I'm like everybody else. I, I think that seven is average, eight is a good buy. Anything above eight you should buy. Yeah, I yeah, hate that. that. I hate... I'm I'm in the same mindset, but the reason I said ooh is because I have Arceus, I've barely touched it. I do want to eventually get I into like Pokemon. It. I have should I buy it. should I buy Violet? I think buying Violet it's it's worth it to buy Violet. I want the future one. So here's the thing. 
is that I think five is a passing grade, but it means that the game is average. It's middle of the road. I, I five is I, a, I fucking hate the scoring systems. It's because five it's, to me is a failure. It's because that to us in our scoring schools. systems at school, five, five is schools. an E. Yes, 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 and so that's a problem that or, we have. Or an F. And, and so that's something I hate because yeah. I think that five should be the middle ground. It means it's an average game. It has problems, but it's middle of the road. It's a buyer. It's like, a I, lever I really buy. wish. What what company does stars? I don't know. Review company? Is it GameSpot that does a five-point star system or something? Maybe. I think it'd be better if they did that. Just, Maybe. Just go to stars. Stop with the percentages. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to still use the numerical value because I think that a one out of ten, I think that a five is, means it's average. It's middle of the road. It's not bad. It, it means that it's average. And so I no, think I that... that school stuff ingrained too much. Five I, to me is a garbage game. Right, but I'm still going to preface this <laughs> yeah, if yeah. I say a five, it's sure. an average. Right. But the thing about arts use is I think that it was a six. It's a little bit above average, but I think the performance issues are what mostly hold it back. And that's where I'm going to put Scarlet and Violet as it is right now in terms of the fact that some of the performance issues in this game are abysmally bad. Some of the issues and bugs in this game are very stupid, and I cannot believe the game was released in this like context mm. but looking past the bugs and everything else that the game has going that's like, where i'd be interested what is this game with if the game was totally working fine no issues in terms of bugs what's your what's your a nine it's an easy fucking nine and i mean that it's a very it's an easy where, fucking... do, where does that stand in terms of like the rest of the pokemon games okay so i, I before i got to a certain uh, uh part in this game because i enjoyed it so much I said that this game is the second best in the series. Really? The first best would be, depending on which one you played, which for me was Gen 2, are black and white. Oh, I thought you were going to say Heart Gold, Soul Silver. See, I really, uh, well, I so really love I, I, can, I consider Heart Gold and Soul Silver and the original Silver and Gold the same game. They are not to many fans, and I get that, but that's splitting hairs. Gen 2 to me is Gen 2. Hmm. So if Generation 2 is the game in the series that you started with, that is going to be your best. And if you started with Gen 5, like Adam said, my black first one was Pokemon Red. <laughs> yeah, but with Black and White, Black and White had a really good story, and a lot of people got really invested in Black and White. So if that was the first one you played, that would be your favorite. Ah. So again, I put that Gen 2 and Gen 5 are on very equal footing with each other, and I don't think that either one of them outshines. To me, Gen 2 is the better one. It's the one I played first. If I would have played Black and White first, I genuinely think I probably would have liked that more than I would have liked Gen 2. That's why I say they're both equal on terms with each other. But once I got to a certain point in this game, my uh, opinion flip-flopped, and I think that this game is actually better than Gen 2 and 5 because of its story alone. Nice. I'm not going to say that Gen 2 and Gen 5 are bad because of it. I'm saying that they have things that I think that this game did so fucking well that it is shocking to me that Game Freak was capable of this level of competency when they've shown how incompetent they can be as developers. So, take that for what you will. I still, to me, my personal favorite is going to be Gen 2. Always. But I cannot deny what Scarlet and Violet have done for Pokemon at this point. And so... Getting that out of the way, again, is a bare-bones spoiler, like pre-spoilers or anything like that. I think that this game is very much worth your time and your money and your investment into it because I do not think you'll be disappointed by the fact that if you pay attention to the story of this game, it's worth paying attention to, which is, again, something that most fans are not going to be, like, used to because Black and White was, like, the last time a real story was put into these games that people cared about. I bought it. There you go. I never so, played one. So, I it. so the thing about this game is that it starts out pretty much as a bare bones, simple Pokemon adventure. You're going to get your Pokemon, then you go to school, right? The thing is, is that you're introduced to very, very few characters in the game at the very start. You're released. To, you're uh, introduced to this kid named Arvin, and at this point, I am going to be 
pretty liberal with spoilers in the game, so if you don't want to hear it... I don't care it, about the story. If you don't want to hear it, then so at this mind. point, I would say don't listen, and I would just say go buy it, because again, I think it's still very much worth your time. But at this point, I'm going to be very liberal with the spoilers. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So you meet two kids and the start of the game, uh, Nimona and Arvin. So the thing about Arvin is that, hilariously enough, I thought I was going to immediately fucking hate this character. He's kind of a punk-ass fucking kid with a very bad attitude. And I was like, okay, I already don't fucking like you. But the other character you meet is a girl named Nimona, and she plays as your rival in this game. But oh, she... I do a, a Tony Danza impression. Nimona. <laughs> I, I can't talk like him. Oh, my God. Nimona. But the thing about these two characters is that these are two characters you're going to go to school with. And part of the game's story is you going to the school academy and learning about Pokemon, right? Mm. And the thing is, is that you go to school with these characters, and then afterwards, you kind of are given, uh, after your graduation from school, you're given three adventures to go on. You, Nimona wants you to go and beat the Pokemon League so you can become a champion, so you can be stronger and fight her in a Pokemon battle. Arvin, ha- for some reason, wants you to go find these mystical herbs so you can make sandwiches. And the other story is uh, involved from the professor, or not the professor, but the, uh, the, the main uh, head honcho at the school. Uh, Chevelle, who wants you to go stop this team known as Team Stars because they're basically a bunch of bullies in school and they've been, you know, tardy for classes and they've been skipping classes. So he wants you to go stop these kids and figure out why they have been doing this, right? Hmm. And so immediately you have three stories that you can go on to and the game is an open world game. So it says, go do what you want. Eight gems, you can go do the eight gems. There are five Team Star members that you can go stop and there are five... Uh, uh, Titan Pokemon that you can go fight in order to find these herbs that you need to make for the kids. Titan sandwiches. Pokemon? Titan Pokemon. What is that? Uh, they're basically mythical, like, m- I wouldn't say mythical, but they're giant Pokemon. And so, like, think of that so Dragonite. Like, so, of, like, Rayquaza of, level Pokemon? Uh, I wouldn't say that they're quite as powerful as Rayquaza, but they're like, like, it's hard to explain without you just seeing them. Huh. One of them you find out is a Pokemon that is based on your version. So for me, one I of the, just bought Violet. So for your version, one of the great uh, Titan Pokemon you're going to find is actually going to be a future Pokemon. For mm. me, it was a past Pokemon, which is really cool when I figured that out by my friends when I was playing the game. A giant Mastodon. Uh, <laughs> kinda actually. I, I don't know. I'm just kinda. Going, I got Power Rangers on the brain, so that's what that's what came to my mind. Kinda actually, dinosaurs. you're you're not too far off because the ones in my version were more dinosaur and more uh. primal like, and the ones inside of Violet are more futuristic like and the more Gundam? Sun- Yes, oh, you're, very, cool. you're, very clo- yes. you're very close. You're, you're very close. You're very close to you, that. Uh, did, did you buy this game yet? I bought Violet. Yeah. Okay. I have so, Violet. It's so that means the three of us could battle in a, in a couple months or whatever. Yeah, you could if you want to. Yeah. Cool. So the funny thing about it is that so all three of these stories are intrinsically tied to these characters that you find. You have Chevelle who wants you to stop the Team Stars. You have Nimono who wants you to do the eight gem battles, and then you have Arvin who wants you to help him find and get these mystical herbs. Yeah. The thing about Arvin is I was like, okay, fuck this kid. I don't like his story, but I want to do this first team. I want to do this first Titan Pokemon just to see what the content is, right? And very quickly, I learned that there's a little bit more to his character design to development than I thought there was going to be. And so after getting the first herb for him, I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. Let's continue. And then I also figured out that by doing his story quest, by getting these herbs, you actually upgrade Koridon and Miraidon, which is the two box art legendaries for the game. Mm. And so for a good example, one of them is like might be a higher jump or a glide or the ability to dash or the ability to swim. So there are actually ways for you to upgrade your Pokemon that you get to ride on. Mm. So... Like, there's now more incentive to go out and do the Titan Pokemon. So the interesting thing about the way that the difficulty in this game works is that you do have an order, air quotations, that you probably should be doing these like uh, events in, but they're still open to you. If you wanted to run to the 8th Gem Leader right now, you could. You're going to get your ass handed so to you. So is the order obvious? No. 
Oh, I I do fear I do think I remember last week you said that the game kind of like held your hand a little bit It holds your hand a little bit for the first few areas And it basically says you probably want to go at least here first and here first and here first But then after that it kind of is like yeah, go do whatever uh-huh. one of my friends Absolutely went back to the seven like the second gym after he beaten the seventh gym and wiped the floor with that trainer And so Can you fight these trainers multiple times uh, not that I know of yet. Okay. I just beat the game yesterday, so... Oh, you did? Yeah, I just got... Be- I was able to beat it yesterday. How many hours? Uh, uh, weren't you at 25 last time I talked to you? I think I was at 50-something. Damn, But right. that's also because I kind of did the ooh, piece of candy, ooh, piece of candy. This what? game has a Pokédex of 400, flat. Whew. And I captured 280 of them on my first playthrough. Which is unheard of for me. I don't genuinely go out of my way to catch Pokemon in games like this on my first playthrough. But I was having that good of a time that I was just enjoying doing it. I really genuinely enjoyed my time with this title enough to where I wanted to do that. Which again speaks to me volumes that I was having fun of the game. I wanted to keep playing it. So... What is that in comparison to your playtime with Arceus? Arceus, I beat the main credits for the main story campaign. And people were like, you didn't go back to the post game? I was like, no, I didn't fucking care. So I think Arceus I probably put like 50 or 60 hours into uh-huh. because I was still catching some stuff. But okay. I, I pretty much dropped that pretty quickly. I'm going to continue to play this game. I, I already know that. <laughs> but the funny thing about it, though, is that um, the open world now is just it, just that. It's an open world. You can go anywhere you want to. You can do anything you want to. The thing is, is that the difficulty curve for Pokemon are kind of everywhere. And you can see the level of the Pokemon before you get into fights with them. Well, yeah, we had mentioned something about there was a level 40, right? The starting zone or something? Yeah, right. and so genuinely you're going to look at that and be like, yeah, no, fuck that. Right, right, I don't right, want right. to lose. And so you can easily lose if you do that. So the game will let you get yourself out of those situations if you want to. But just be known that it's going to be hard for you to get yourself out of those situations if you put yourself there. Yeah. So don't be stupid. Right. So the thing is, is that at this point you can do whatever you want to with the story. And I like that about it because it's very open if i wanted to learn more about arvin and why he was getting these herbs uh i could i was actually gonna ask that what's the point of these these herbs so it's really funny because at first it kind of just looks like he's just a one no i want to make really good food and i need these herbs to do it so Mm -hmm. you actually figure out is that there's way more to it than that for him so you find out that one of his pokemon which basically looks like a giant dog. His name is Mabastiff. It's hard to pronounce. Mufasa. It looks like a, a Mastiff hound. Huh. And the thing is, is that... Can it's, you ride it? No. Oh. But the funny thing about this is that I did not expect this game to hit me in the feels as hard as it did. I got to the second herb for him, and he actually reveals that he's feeding his dog the sandwiches that he's making. And the reason why is because, according to legend the five herbs can help cure any ailment and you figure out that his Pokemon is actually very injured and it's very hurt. And immediately I was like, wait, wait his dog is his Pokemon. Yeah. His, his Pokemon. It's a dog Pokemon. Oh, okay. But it was one of those things that I wasn't expecting that Pokemon games generally don't have a heavier theme like that of like, Oh, Whoa. the Pokemon's hurt. And people are like, well, why didn't you just take it to a Pokemon Center? He's like, well, actually, it doesn't work. He got injured that like that badly that the Pokemon Center couldn't just heal him. And it's like, oh, okay, That's this is motivation in a Pokemon game that I haven't seen before, before after since, like, Black and White. It's like, this is... I, I'm, I'm motivated. I want to see where this is going. This is a good story beat. This is interesting to me. This is progression. This makes me want to keep playing. This is something that Pokemon games genuinely lack. And to me, I was right. very impressed by this story element because it immediately made Arvin a very sympathetic character. 
and it made me want to continue helping him. It made me want to see where the story was going to go. It made me want to see if his Pokemon was going to be okay. Again, this was a very, very, very important story beat for me that once I got to this and I saw that what Pokemon was starting to do with its hand, I was very intrigued. I wanted to keep going. That genuinely doesn't happen to me. With Legends Arceus, I kind of just wanted to play through it just to finish it. Sword and Shield, I wanted to just finish it. I was enjoying the adventure, but it wasn't like, I really need to see what's going to happen next. I just want to finish it. But for Scarlet and Violet, I really felt like I wanted to finish it. Not only because doing his quest, I think is legitimately good story beat. I think Arvin becomes a very sympathetic character and he becomes a very good character. He goes from being this like asshole kid to somebody that you really can enjoy and sympathize with. His Pokemon's hurt. He wants to heal it. That's good. That's good storytelling. Like, it's not the most stellar thing in the fucking world, but coming from Game Freak, this is good shit. Yeah. It was really impressive to me that they pulled this off, and they pulled it off so well. And every time that you feed the dog, um, a Bostiff, uh, more herbs, it gains something back. So it gains the ability to stand up itself, or to see, or to bark when it couldn't bark before. It goes from being very, very sickly to becoming better. And by the time it you find... It goes from being very sickly to the freaking dog from uh, Silent Hill 2. Ah, uh, a little bit, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, my question is, where, is the, where are these guys in this game? What, Team Rocket? Yeah. Nowhere. Nowhere? Team nowhere. Rockets? Did they just so, replace them with Team Star? So, Team Star is more the evil team. So, uh, or is this game's quote-unquote version of the evil team. So, again, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well, you just got to stop these school bullies because they're school bullies and they're causing problems. All right, whippity-fucking-do. Uh, so when you get to the team leaders of these uh, these campments, uh, they're all very unique of themselves, but genuinely they all hold one very important person to themselves as, the, as what they call their personal treasure. And it's a theme that even the main uh, uh, headmaster at the school, Chevelle, wants you to find. He wants you to go on an adventure for you to find your greatest treasure. That's kind of the theme of the game. And what you find out from these quote-unquote school bullies is that they all hold one very grand treasure to their heart, and it's their leader. And as you beat the first one, uh, the first uh, Team Star leader, you'll figure out that, okay, well, we need to figure out who the leader is. You need to figure out why they're doing this and why, you know, they've been skipping class. And as it turns out very quickly, even their story isn't as clear-cut as you would think as it would be. And so, once more, I completed even the first, you know, Team Star member, and I was like, I like where this is going. What's next? Again, this was progression on a story. It was now not just the fact that I wanted to help Arvin. I wanted to see where this story was going as well. Yeah. And again, it was very interesting to me. And what ends up happening is that you figure out that the school bullies that you thought were the school bullies were actually the ones who were getting bullied. And what ended up happening is that they chased off their bullies. And But the thing is, is that the school wasn't very well aware that this was happening. So what ends up happening is that the school sees Team Star and thinks, you're the school bullies. Right. Well, no, that wasn't the case at all. But their pleas felt, uh, you know, fell on deaf ears. Mm. So they've been playing hot, you know, hooky for the last, like, year of school and skipping classes because, well, the school teachers aren't listening to them. But they think they're all punks, but they're not. They're a bunch of friends or people that have been picked on in the past that kind of want to stick together. They want to gather more members for themselves so that, you know, they can help people see that their cause is not an evil one. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, for teenagers in school, you know, it's not like they're evil or anything, but they're very misunderstood. And again, it was one of those things that people might find relation to that. They might have been bullied in school. So they come into this char these characters and they figure out what this is all about. And again, every single member of the team, the five, you know, bosses have very good fleshed out personalities and very fun designs. And they all speak very highly of their leader. 
And again, it made me want to figure out who this leader was and where they were and why they did what they did and how they did what they did. How did they get Team Star together? Why was it that they got Team Star together? Again, it was answers that I had the game wanted me to start asking, and I did, and it very gladly gave me questions when I progressed that story. Again, this is something that Pokemon has not done since Black and White. It doesn't genuinely give you side characters like an RPG should, and make you want answers to the questions that the RPG is bringing up. And again, that's one of the reasons why I think this game succeeds so well is because it has intrigue to its story enough to where it makes you want to keep playing. It makes you want to see where these characters' development is going to go and how it's going to affect them Hmm. and why it, it affects them. And so, again, it's interesting that you eventually do figure out who the leader is. You do figure out why they've been together but something else that you find out that's really funny is that none of the team star members actually even saw who their leader was hmm. they don't even know who the all they know is that their name is boss <laughs> okay yeah they call it the bot they call them them the boss so it's really funny because to me i immediately thought of metal gear solid and i couldn't <laughs> get that out of my head for the whole game but again it was one well, of those no, fr- i just thinking that it was funny because i was making a uh, tony danza uh comment and he it from mona and mona's from who's the boss yeah so again it was <laughs> one circle of, it, again it was one of those funny moments though that again it was intriguing to me because it's like okay you're calling him the boss and yeah. so for me as a metal gear solid fan it's like how much do they live up to the boss and it actually turns out that again that their boss is a very very sympathetic person and again that the reason why they got all these kids together was a very you know righteous reason and was a very good reason to do it and they were all friends all these characters really hold each other as very powerful like uh, as a bond together very strongly and you can feel and hear like see that like a brotherhood of sorts yes and you can definitely see that within the dialogue of the game it's very good at supporting this idea that these kids were bullied and they gathered together as friends and they grew together as a group as friends. Sure. And again, to me, that's very important in an RPG. It gets you invested. And that's one of the reasons why I think this game's story succeeds so well, because it is intriguing enough to where if you're paying attention at all, you're going to want to see what happens. You're going to want to see what happens to Arvin's Pokemon. You're going to want to see why po- like Team Star thought it was important enough to do what they're doing. And then for Nimona, Mona. that's kind of more of your more traditional standard Pokemon adventure. She's very one note. A lot of people compare her to Goku from Dragon Ball. Mm. Where Really? Yes, where she just wants to fight. She wants to see who's the strongest. And she's that way to a fault. She's very one note. She's very, very single-minded in her goal. And it's funny because a lot of times if something serious is happening around her, she's completely oblivious to it. She doesn't care about everything else. She just wants to get stronger, and she wants to see you get stronger. So she plays as your best friend in the story. And again, her dialogue is very cheerful and playful, and she keeps egging you on to continue your adventure. And it's, again, one of those things to where I wanted to see what the fight with her was going to be, because you figure out very early in the game that she was also a Pokemon champion. She's done all eight gym badges. Wait, so you fight her at some point? You you fight her multiple times. Oh. So the thing that's interesting about her character is that her character comes off very much as a big sister motif to uh. me, where she sees you at the beginning. So of- almost like a mentor. A bit. So the thing is, is that it's like most Pokemon games. You start the game with three Pokemon, right? Mm, yep. And the thing is... Wait, it, it, I thought... That well, you can choose. Oh, uh, yeah. 
So the thing is, is that you get to choose one of the three Pokemon, and you obviously pick your starter, and she will pick her starter. Right. And then the last starter kind of just goes off with Professor uh, Chevelle, and he takes the last Pokemon away. Hmm. So the thing is, is that she's always going to pick the Pokemon that's weak to yours. That's a trend that's been happening more in Pokemon games recently, but that's not something that I really cared about because it's like, whatever, they want to teach you type advantages and stuff like that, and that how the combat system works. But the thing that's interesting about this character is that she's already beat the Elite Four by all accounts if she was using her actual team against you she would wipe the fucking yeah, floor with sure. you but that's not her character her character is she wants to see you succeed she's a big sister she is not quite a mentor but she's there cheering you from the sidelines because she wants to see you get stronger so she can fight you for real and again it's almost like she wants a challenge from you she wants the challenge from you yeah. yes and so that's the thing that i thought that was really compelling about her character because she doesn't just disappear and then that's it. You don't see her until the 8th gym badge. She's there a lot of the times every step of the way in the adventure to talk to you and to cheer you Give on. Give you like a random battle to test out how yeah. well you're doing. Yeah, so effectively she ends up reliving her Pokemon adventure through you a little uh. bit because her team grows and she makes a new team just to play and basically grow alongside you again. And when you fight her in the final battle... Her Pokemon are, you know, she has the start. All right, no holding back. It's time to time to die. Yes, yes, absolutely. I can't let you beat me now. Absolutely. And again, that's one of the things I really liked about this game is that the story writing, uh, the writing for a lot of the characters in the game are great. One of the best gym leaders in the whole series exists in this game, and his name is Larry. Larry. And Love the thing it. is, is that you're going to think, wow, that's a really plain name. Well, I don't know how, how plain is Brock. Uh, I mean, Brock is kind of out there. I mean, that, that's the only gym leader I know of is Brock. Yeah, but if you think about it, the name Rock is in his name, Brock. Mm. So the thing is, is that you're going to be like, okay, well, what's Larry? Just Larry. It's just Larry. Yeah. He's literally the normal gym leader. He uses normal Pokemon. And mm. his whole shtick is that he's normal. He's a normal guy. That They play him up with that. He's a guy in a suit, and he's just a normal businessman. And he's working, and he's a working man. And he happens to be a gym leader. And his whole shtick is that he's normal. A lot of his dialogue, very normal. A lot of his delivery, very plain. And it's hilarious because it works. In a universe where everything is so colorful and so far out there and so genuinely, you know, just wonderful, he's just a normal fucking guy. And it works. It absolutely works. But in a world where everything is weird, the normal guy is considered the weird one. <laughs> Bingo! Yeah. And that worked so well. They pulled it off amazingly well for him. Sure. And I loved his character. I loved his character so much because of it. Hmm. And again, it's one of those moments where this game does something that a lot of Sword and Shield did try to do, but I didn't feel like it was as effective. And I know that Black and White really did this, and Black and White was effective in it enough to where people loved that game. But I think that this game really helps draw out a lot of the personality with gym leaders hmm. and so much so that what's funny is that if you go to a lot of your classes back in school because the school has classes that you can go to like you would at the normal college uh the thing is is that a lot of the, what, is this like persona level stuff uh a little bit of a lesser degree i think oh. persona has the better like production value uh. but absolutely going back into classes and stuff like that the game will give you a lot of tutorials in the classes if you take them there but it also allows you to see a lot of the gym leaders like a lot of the elite four members are actually also teachers of these classes and uh, they will bring in gym leaders too and it gives a lot of depth to the characters and it makes them really interesting to hear from and talk to again it was one of those things that at first i didn't think anything of most of the characters in the game the grass leader gym leader who's a starving artist i thought nothing of him really when i first fought him as a gym leader but when i went back and took the art class and i saw him interacting with the class and talking it made me love his character more because he, you figure out that he was kind of depressed with his himself 
but once he figured out, you know, art, he became very happy. Even though he still looks depressed because he has bags under his eyes, you figure out that he actually has a lot of wonderful feelings. He's just depressed because he has to have a Bulbasaur. Well, no, he was depressed because, you know, he felt like, you know, his life wasn't that important or whatever. Ah. And he was very depressed, like genuinely depressed. And his story was sympathetic. But then the thing is, is that once he figured out, you know, the majesty of art, it made him feel like life was a lot more like worth a lot more and again it was one of those things that made me really like his character because of that and it's like it's very simple interactions like that that get me invested in an rpg <laughs> and in a game like this i think they pulled it off very well and again i think the best part of this game is its story and every single it's weird because weren't you saying just the opposite last week i was saying just the opposite last week i was very you're not my you're not first playing a, a pokemon game for the story yeah and, and my, now you're saying the story's awesome yeah and my first impressions of this game were very negative and i think that a lot of people's first impressions of this game were very negative because the bugs are bad the performance is bad i thought at first that the open world wasn't going to be that interesting or that compelling but after i did again last week i had just did the first gem and uh, this time I did the I've done the gym and I went to the class and I was like okay cool I kind of like this a little bit more but more classes open up as you progress the gyms <laughs> so you get to go back to classes and see more of the characters inside of you know the classes and again it's more interaction and it's more role building and again I really appreciate that and so again going back into it some more once I started doing more of the gyms I found out that the writing for a lot of the gym leaders was very awesome very well fucking done these are some of the best gym leaders in the series the ghost leader uh uh gym the uh, gym leader uh her name is i wrote it down here i think it's time i think her sister's name is rhyme if i remember correctly hmm. um Go ghost is the name of the gym no the ghost is a type it's a ghost type gem Oh, oh, but I the love thing, that but the, wait, there's a, uh, okay. I didn't even know there was a ghost type Pokemon. I don't know anything about Pokemon. Yeah, so dude, it's a ghostly ghost, dude. Hunter. Yeah, uh, yeah but okay. it's a ghost type gem. And the thing about it is that she's a singer. And so, the, and the funny thing about it is that you actually perform Pokemon battles up on stage to impress her crowd, all while listening to the theme from Ghost. Right, you got Patrick Swayze behind you. I wish this Pokemon. But the funny thing about it though is that it was one of those things that was interesting enough. Adam's oblivious. <laughs> Oh, I know exactly what Ghost is. I know. I used to do the clay pot thing as, as yeah. a joke to every single person in art class. Like, uh, don't do this. And it's just like, what's this movie called Ghost? And then my mom's like, it's this. I'm like, there's something about clay pots. And all of a sudden, I was like, that's why my teacher doesn't want me to. And so every time someone would do that, I would just like slowly just like appear on the left field and just be like, I got you. So, and, and so one that people are probably going to really appreciate in this game is the electric gym leader because she is a streamer. Oh, that's she so is, cool. She is an act, she's like a Twitch streamer. So you come outside of her Do gym. Do they actually reference Twitch? They don't reference Twitch. Oh. But so like to give you an idea, you know how like people have like VTubers in Twitch right now where like they have like the little model in the bottom left-hand corner or right-hand oh, corner? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So effectively when you come outside of the gym, she's doing that on front of your screen. Uh, streaming uh, you doing the gym leader challenge like the gym challenge that she wants you to do and she acts like a streamer and she because she's a streamer and she's you're helping her get views yeah. and so it's one of those things that like it was something that was so simple but so topical that it put a huge smile on my face sure and i loved it like it was very small interactions like that that i absolutely fucking adored about this game voice acting is in this game unfortunately none and this is oh. something that a lot of fans have also pointed out because i've actually seen a lot of people and a lot of voice actors dub the voice lines for characters and i think if this game would have had voice acting like breath of the wild did i think i could have actually maybe have said that this game's score was like a 9.5 because honestly watching a lot of these like voice acting talents work on these characters 
was fantastic. I'm just thinking in terms of the streamer person, like a highly energetic, it, like e-girl type of Yes, and the thing is, is voice. and I think the thing is, is that if that would have been there, people would have even given this game more attention. This game is worth the attention that it's getting right now. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of people are like myself, where the very first initial impressions of this game was incredibly negative because of all the bugs and because of all the performance issues. But once people actually sat down and shut up and played this game, nobody on Twitter to me spoiled this game. And well, that's every- why I was asking about it last week, because I was listening to Kind of Funny and Tim, one of the guys that's on their podcast, said he spent... 25 hours over the weekend that first weekend playing it and fell in love with it and I was yes. like but Andrew says this game because, is shit because my first impressions of the game were like 4 hours in uh, and I had not get, been given enough time to actually start the game proper but once I started playing this game properly I fucking fell in love I mean that's why I, I always say when I talk about games this is my impression not my, re- my, not my review right and that's why to me last week I was pissed off about the grass gem leader because I thought his, ja- his gem challenge was like stupid but then a lot of the other ones were more You're complaining fun. about people following you around people following me around yeah, like like uh, uh professors following you around saying if, I, you, if I, you die don't worry we got you yeah that was one of my initial reactions to the team star base and i fucking hated that because it's like well it's an open world game but i'm still being kind of followed around a little or bit or they point out exactly where you need to go and you don't have to search for anything yeah and again it was one of those things that's i kind of fucking hated that a little bit more but like so you're once, past that now? once I got past that and I started realizing that the story was actually worth paying attention to in this game, I didn't mind that at all, actually. Ah. So, again, it was one of those things that at first my initial impressions of this game were very negative, like most people's. But once I actually sat down and let myself enjoy the story and a lot of the characters, it immediately grew on me because I thought this game was going to be more or less Sun and Moon or Sword and Shield or X and Y, where a lot of the characters really weren't written that well to the point to where I gave a shit about them. I but, heard Sword and Shield is really good. Sword and Shield was really good, but the thing about Sword and Shield is that Sword and Shield could have been so much more. Oh. And, and again, the thing is that sucks is that when you hear a game like Sword and Shield is really good, well, it's like, well, how is Scarlet and Violet? And I think Scarlet and Violet blows it the fuck out of the water. Really? Because I was hearing just the opposite last week. No. Whoever the hell says that Sword and Shield is better than Scarlet and Violet, they're fucking wrong. Huh. I, I, they're saying that because of performance issues. They're not saying ah, that because of the fucking story. I see. Sword and Shield's fucking story finale was so fucking bad. It's not even fucking yeah, well, funny. I for, I'm trying to remember hmm. the main villain wasn't really like that much so, of a threat so, in no, my no, no, So let me tell you what happens. For Sword and Shield, it's a Sword Spoilers. and Shield. For Sword and Shield, fuck spoilers. If you haven't played the game at this point, fuck you. You're an idiot. I'm Go saying p- that for the listeners. Yeah. Just in case. I'm going to insult them. If you haven't played this five-year-old or four-year-old fucking game, just go fucking play it. Don't come to me bitching about spoilers. You should have played it at this point. So, after the seventh gem, you're effectively told, Oh, Chairman Rose. Hey, guy. How's it going? And he's like, Leon, you are the champion. I need you to help me with an energy crisis that's going to happen. A thousand years from now. Oh my god. A thousand fucking years from now. Right? Which, you know, thousand years, kind of a long fucking time. You don't need to go really that ape shit. Topical, because, like, re, re, uh, what is it? reduce, reuse, recycle, uh, ice cap's gonna melt, blah, blah, blah. So I here's the thing, right? Leon agrees to help Chairman Rose. But here's what ends up happening Leon's championship game is the next fucking day. Right? So Leon effectively says, hey, chairman, I'm actually going to help you. Don't worry, man. But can it wait until the day after tomorrow? I need to really go do my championship match, if you don't mind. So then this causes Chairman Rose to, you force my hand. And he immediately starts bringing the fucking final days 
to the people around him because Leon wanted to wait one fucking day to help this motherfucker. And okay. so he, and so his fucking reaction, Chairman Rose, is to bring Doomsday onto the fucking Galar region because Leon wanted one fucking day to play his match. What the hell? If that sounds... A thousand it, years, dude. What's two days? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. You forced his fucking hand, man. You don't understand. A thousand you years... You done screwed up. You done man. fucked. Yeah. So if that sounds anywhere as near as stupid as I fucking just made it sound, don't worry. It's just that fucking bad. So huh. if anybody tells you that Sword and Shield has a better fucking story... Their comprehensive, of, like comprehension of proper storytelling, is so fucking bad. They must have thought that like pop-up books in fucking grade school were the most terrifying fucking thing imaginable, or that like Dr. Seuss is fucking fine literature, because they have no fucking clue what they're talking about. Green eggs and ham. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Scarlet and Violet blows Sword and Shield out of the fucking water. And I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna like splice that out and just like cut it off at blows. <laughs> <laughs> put, it at the of the, put it at the beginning of this blows. podcast. It's going to be Scarlet and Violet Blows. No, and then our no. intro music. No. People are going to be like, what? No. Scarlet, <laughs> it's all a trick. Scarlet and Violet was actually such a breath of fresh fucking So hair. what you're saying with the story, you're saying Scarlet and Violet's story is something that I should actually pay attention to? It's So let's not go out of our way to pretend that it is Shakespearean level of writing. It is Pokemon at the end of the day. But the thing about the writing in this game is that it is worth paying attention to, in my opinion. Because what ends up happening is that at the end of the game, right, you don't, you don't can, spoil the end. Then. I'm not going to spoil the end. But here's one of the best things I've seen that this game does is that effectively, once you complete all three campaigns, you're going to be like, okay, well, my adventure is over. There's more. And what comes after? Here. And what comes after that adventure? After those three adventures, and they converge into one, is some of the best fucking story I've seen out of Pokemon. <laughs> it actually took my breath away seeing the final area of this game. It was genuinely fucking beautiful to look at, and the music left me fucking stunned. Which, by the way, Toby Fox is the composer for the soundtrack. And unfortunately, I will go out of the way and say that the only weak soundtrack in this game is the Gym Leader theme bad hmm. actually bad but the rest of this game has a uh, dynamic soundtrack so better or worse than delta rune worse i think the problem is is that toby fox when he is given ability a free reign to go over his own projects he goes nuts but i think when he was working on this game so these are like a, effectively like remixed pokemon themes from older games think of it think of it more along the lines of they were saying to toby fox okay we want to keep like this range of sound yeah. and this is what we're giving you to work with and so toby fox did the best with what he was given mm-hmm. but when he did compose here it was really good because it's a dynamic soundtrack yeah so a good example is that for the two legendaries the box arts when you ride on them as a bike right so you have code on co-ride on and me ride on the thing is is that when you are writing them the music is more upbeat and more passionate but when you're off of them the music is more subdued and quiet and it has a dynamic soundtrack so the thing is is that every other pokemon game generally has one battle theme for pokemon fights right this game does not this game has several pokemon themes for which area you're in and it uh, is based off of the area you're in. So the battle music is more based off the zone that you're in. How and many different types of environments are there? So I think this is one area. This is one of the reasons why I could not give this game a 10 out of 10, even if it had everything fixed, because I think the only thing about this game I did not genuinely like was the open world felt a bit bland. So you do have a very snowy mountain. Cool. You have desert environment. You have watery tropical beaches. You have grasslands. And you kind of have a more mountainous region. Desert? 
Uh, I said desert. Yeah, okay. there's a desert. Right. So the thing is, is that you have these areas, but I don't feel like they're as fleshed out as some of the other Pokemon titles in terms of environments. And I think that's the one thing that this game genuinely could have gone to have more time to bake on was let's flesh out these areas with more impressive landmarks and more impressive like features to them so that the open world of this game makes it feel like that there's a lot of different variety in the regions, which there is, but they're not enough, in how, my opinion. How dense is it? Does it feel empty? Mm, so that's the thing, is that Pokemon are everywhere, but... And you said you can see these Pokemon, right? You it's can not, see them in the open... Generated. It's not randomly generated. So okay. the Pokemon... Well, the Pokemon you run into are going to be random for the zones, but they're going to come out of like a slide. But it's not like a randomly generated battle. No. Like so, in Final Fantasy. No. So if you see the Pokemon, you can walk right up to it, and you can battle that Pokemon. If you see a Pokemon is shiny, you can walk right up to it and find a shiny Pokemon. If you want mm. to catch the Pokemon that you see on the screen, hey, I want to find a Growlithe. There's a Growlithe in the grass. I can walk right up to it and battle the Growlithe. So there's no guesswork for shiny Pokemon? Mm, no. Oh, cool. So right. that's one of the things I think this game does pretty uh, does pretty well. How rare are they? Very. Uh, this is the easiest game to get shinies in, but that's genuinely not finding them in the wild. That's with other methods of finding them. In my playthrough, I found two shinies. The <laughs> thing is, is that shinies are not announced at all, so you have to see them to kind of notice that they're there. So I'm sure that I caught and I found these two shiny Pokemon, but I'm pretty certain I passed like five or six of them, and I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, so, again, keep your eye out for these. Uh Okay, so I'm thinking Final Fantasy-wise, is there anything, like, if you were to look up, I'm not going to look up a guide, but I'm thinking, like, Final Fantasy VII, for some reasons, on the brain, you get the, um, the red, the the red, whatever the red and the green, uh, super, uh, summons are. Is there anything like that in this game, where it's like, if you go to this location, there's some ultra-rare Pokemon that you can fight, and it's going to be a very hard boss battle? So, that's kind of... But it's hidden, so you don't know where... Is there anything like that in this game? I didn't find anything that was hidden. So, that's, again, one of the reasons why I think that the open world feels a little bit more, like, empty in some aspects. The Pokemon are there. The Pokemon make the environments feel alive, because you always are seeing the Pokemon, and it's interesting when you find a new Pokemon. But I'm like, if you're exploring, and there's, like, some, like, hidden area, and there's, like, a freaking... You know, like, a stupidly high-powered... So nothing like that yet. So like prep for it, and it's going to be a super hard bez or anything like that. So there are raid battles, and so the thing is is that you'll find these dens that are around the world that are sparkling, and they're known as terror raids. Uh. And so this game has a very specific mechanic into it, known as terrestrialization. And so the way that this works is that you're given this thing called a terror orb. And so what this does is that allows you to bring out your Pokemon's terror type. The thing is that the terror type of a Pokemon is more generally based upon what the Pokemon is normally. Hmm. But if you catch terror type Pokemon, their typing is different. So the thing is is that let's just say you have a grass Pokemon, right? Mm-hmm. But if you Terra type it into a fire type, it is now a fire type in the battle. So if you want to cover a Pokemon's weakness, for an example, so a really simple uh, interaction you'll find out is that normal and ghost Pokemon, like we were just talking about ghost Pokemon earlier. Yeah. So normal attacks do not affect ghost Pokemon. Okay. No matter what you do, normal attacks will not hit a ghost Pokemon and vice versa. Ghost type attacks cannot hit normal Pokemon. So the thing is, is that now if you were to say be fighting a ghost Pokemon, right? And you know that you're going to get hit by a ghost type move. You can Terra type into a normal type, and that ghost type's attacks will no longer affect you because your base type has changed for the fight. So mm-hmm. it adds a level of strategy to the fight, and it also allows your Pokemon to uh, then actually have an attack bonus for. So, like, if you're a fire type and you use a normal type move, right, your baseline like damage modifier for that is 100%. Right, it's going to do 100% of its base power after stat modifiers and checks, right? The thing is, is that stab, which is same type attack bonus, Hmm. 
means that if you're a normal Pokemon and you're using normal type of moves, that it's going to get a boost in your attack, right? The thing is, is that, say, if you're a fire type, you terror type into a normal type, you use a normal type move, now you're getting that attack bonus. <laughs> so, again, there's another element of strategy to that in the game. And I think that's one of the things that this game does wonderfully. It's going to do great wonders for competitive battling and for people finding ways to change Pokemon into interesting types that they want them to be. So, again, this is something that this game has a lot of strategy to it. And there it has was something that you were going to bring up right at the end of the last podcast that we ran out of time to talk about. I, I had asked something about like crafting Pokeballs, and you said they don't do that; they do something else. Uh, so the thing is, is Start that with a T? TMs. So technical oh. machines is what they're known as. Uh, so starting back in Gen Five, technical machines were infinite use items that you could find. And the thing was is that it was nice because it's like, okay, well, if I want to teach a Pokemon Thunderbolt, I no longer need to worry about using up Thunderbolt and then not being able to teach it to another Pokemon down the road. So in this game, it kind of reverts a little bit. Technical machines are now a single-use item, right? Mm -hmm. But you can craft them. So okay. I think this is actually a, a better system than what they had before because this now gives you more reason to incentive to go out into the world and to fight Pokemon and to get materials to create TMs. It's a feedback system that if you want these moves, you can go craft them and get them. And again, it gives you more reason to do it. And again, I think that's a good thing. It, it makes you want to play the game. So is it kind of like the draw system from Final Fantasy VIII? Uh, kind of. So if, like, you needed to fight a Bidoof and I'm just going to throw a random Pokemon out here and a Pikachu for their two materials to create a move like Thunderbolt, okay. well, you have to go fight Bidoof and Pikachu yeah. to get those materials and to go craft it. Okay. So it's kind of like the draw but system. But then you craft it and you can only use that ability once? You can only use it once. But the thing is that you can craft multiple ones. So it's not like you're going to How just... much material do you need just to craft one? Is that, like, crazy farming or what? No, not crazy farming. Not at all. No, oh. it's mostly figuring out where the Pokemon are and then crafting and then farming those Pokemon for as many as you want to make uh, the TM. Okay. It's not difficult or bad at all. And in fact, I think it's very well done. I think that the system is very nice, and I think it's a nice rework for technical machines because finding one that is infinite use is nice, yes. But now if you think about this in the concept of an open world game, if you wanted to find a TM for Earthquake, for a good example, hmm. you'd have to go find it. Yeah. Okay, well, finding a needle in a haystack is not fun. So this way, Would you know where and where to get that based on where a Pokemon hangs out, based on the you, the geographical. With the pieces assembled like this, maybe the computer can plot a location based on the symbols matching these constellations. So what are we looking for exactly? The app kind of used constellations to pinpoint a geographical location, mm -hmm. but I don't think we could zero in more than maybe a hundred mile radius. Mm -hmm. Edward. Yeah. If this is correct, I think the computer can pinpoint location. So okay. that would be a cool idea, and I don't disagree with that idea. I think go, that go to the mountains to get the earthquake because that's you know right. But now you got to think about the fact that it's an open world game. For how open and vast it is, you're now having to comb every square inch to figure out where this technical machine is. Mm -hmm. If they were back to the old system of being an infinite use, right? Yeah. But because they have this new system where they are not infinite use, but you can craft them, it allows you to have these TMs that you can find in the open world. But it's not like you have to find them in order to have that move. It's just nice that you can find them there. Ah. So again, I think this is a better system for doing it so again i think this is a way that they've refined a system and redone it and made it better and i'm actually very happy with the system so again i really liked that they did this change so that's like effectively the only crafting system that you have in the game and it's not so intrusive and out of the way that you have to really stop to go do it unless it's a move you really want ah. so again i think this is a very well done aspect of the game pokemon centers are now kind of re relegated to like stands so think of like a... Lemonade like, stand? Yeah, think of something like that. Yeah, like let's just use that. So you no longer have to go into a building, loading screen, black screen, load in, 
get go give them the Pokemon. How okay. are the like the load times in general on a Switch? Like for areas. So is it seamless? Uh, the only thing the, there's a few loading screens, but I think the longest loading screen has been in this game is like 20 seconds, and that's when you're going from the main school hub to the outside world. So like the outside world doesn't really have load time. No. So uh, once you're out in the open world, there's basically no loading screens, nice. which I think was very well done. I do have to give them credit where credit is due. The open world is nice. But I actually wonder if that's sometimes to the detriment of the game because there are some areas in this game that the FPS will drop to like 15. How's oh. the perf- what's the performance difference between handheld and docked? So my friend has a Switch Lite and he says that he had no performance issues really on his Switch Lite. On the flip side, I played on a... I My old Switch is a Pikachu and Eevee Switch, which I think is still first-gen Switch. Ah. And I had some horrendous lag in this game. That's one of the other reasons why I think that this game scores lower as it is right now because of the performance. I'm not joking when I say that if it was raining and I was like in the lake area and I'm looking into the water with all the ripple effects, the FPS tanks. To give you an idea, yes. if you take your camera and face it upwards away from the water, your FPS will like triple because wow. of the, it's no longer loading all those effects because yeah. you're not looking at it. That's bad. That's really bad. Then again, I think that's one of the bad, like worst things this game has going for it right now is its performance is horrendous in some areas. <laughs> but I don't think that the performance is enough to turn you off from the game. Unless you're just a real stickler for FPS and FPS is everything to you in a game, then you're going to hate this but game. FPS shouldn't really matter in a Pokemon game. Yeah, it's an RPG. <laughs> FPS doesn't matter. It's not like you're going to be fucking dodging something. Yeah. So again, I don't think the FPS really matters. So it, it, that's one of the areas where I think that this game struggles the most is its performance. But otherwise... I wonder every, how it plays on an OLED Switch. I don't know. I wish I would have had I one. I want so, one. So I could have looked at it here. I might buy one here soon. <laughs> but again, so every aspect of this game for its story is just fantastic. And I think that the open world is a bit bland but it's interesting enough for just getting from point A to point B and I enjoyed that so again I really did like this game and how I th- long does it take you to get vehicle Pokemon uh, they give it to you very early in the game ah. they basically gave it to you at the very start of the game right. you basically are introduced to the box legendary very early on in the game and you're giving it from that kid Arvin I was telling you about mm. and you might be thinking to yourself okay that's really fucking weird why does this kid have this on him Story element. They bring that back. They answer that question. It's not just because he randomly fucking has this shit on him. There's an actual story element to it. Mm. And again, it answers it. So again, I was very impressed by that because I immediately asked that question. It's like, okay, why the fuck does he have this? He kind of explains it to you not very much, but a little bit in detail. But when you get to the final area of the game, they actually give you the real reason he has this. And it's like, ah, there was a lot more to this than I realized. Good shit. You not only answered my question, you compiled upon that question. Sure. Thank you for answering that and then giving me more. In the Pokemon story, are there any legitimate surprises where you're just like, holy shit? Yeah, there was a lot of it in this game. Again, I think that a lot of it to me was the fact that I was not used to, other than black and white, Pokemon really having a compelling narrative. Hmm. And I think that whenever I saw this game actually bring out and reveal its hand and having a compelling narrative, again, I think it's one of the best aspects of this game. I genuinely felt for Arvin when he had his Pokemon hurt. Hmm. I felt bad. I actually like felt bad. It's like shit, man. That's that's really sad actually. And he's doing this trying to heal his Pokémon and he needs your help to do it. 
fuck, that's, that's, yes, I will help you. Like, that's a legitimate quest. That's a legitimate thing to do. And, you know, now that I know why you have a chip on your shoulder, I see why you have it now. It makes me like you. It makes me want to help you. Makes me want to see you be better and do better. And he does. And he actually has character development for it. That was very powerful to me. I think that was very well fucking done. And I was very happy that that happened. Again, Team Star, when you actually start fighting these characters and you start figuring out... Is that an acronym for anything? Star? Does no. Does Star stand for anything? Okay. No. Okay. Uh, they do have a really funny uh, saying where they say... Uh, what is it? What was it? Like, hasta la vista, whatever? Hasta la vista, baby. Wait, so, what? So, so, so they say hasta la V-star <laughs> as, as their catchphrase, which is kind of funny. I kind of chuckled at it. It's like, oh, God, that's so dumb. And the game knows it's dumb. Like, they, they know. But... Intentionally being campy. Intentionally being campy. And again, once the game kind of gave me a wink and I was like, okay, okay, I enjoy that. I'm not going to. So again, I think that this game did have some genuinely good story beats to it. The ending of this game solidified this for me being the best Pokemon game. And I mean that. Has there there ever been an instance where there's a legitimate Pokemon sequel that continues a story? Black and White 2. Black and White 2 Uh, is the first that did it. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon were more rewrites for Sun and Moon. And the game sucks, so fuck it anyway. Uh, Could you the, see this game having a sequel? No. Oh. I, 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 Without they, spoiling the end. They have already said that this game is going to have DLC content, and I'm hoping that it adds more to this game in its world, because I think that this game has a very, very lush world. To free? It. What? Free? I don't know if it's going to be free. Oh. But I do. The last DLC was not free. <laughs> but the thing about it is that I don't think that there's more that they could really build onto in the story, but there's more they could build onto characters, and I really want to see that because I like these characters genuinely enough to where I want to see them go on more adventures. I want to see them have, you know, more story and back. You know, I want to see more of these characters. I would love to see more of them and maybe more different new characters. Like, there's more, like, adventures that could be had in this type of world, in this type of game, and I'd like to see them do it. Hmm. And, again, to me, the ending of the game, which, again, I'm not going to really spoil or talk about, was actually fan-fucking-tastic. Like, really well-fucking-done. And there were some subtle touches in that storytelling there that was like, holy shit. Like, I was not expecting that from this game. Like, well-fucking-done. Like, well-fucking-done. The final area to this game, even if you don't find the three stories that compelling, Hmm. which I did, and I think most people will... Even if you're going to be one of those people that's like, whatever, these three stories, I don't fucking care. When you get to the final area, it's going to make you pay attention to it. Are the stories the same for both versions? For both versions. So, two, one story beat. And this isn't spoiling much, though it does make an impact later. Arvin's parent changes for both games. Ah. So, the professor for each game is... His dad for your version, which is Violet, and it's his mom for Scarlet, which is my version. Ah. So I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. So it changes the professors for both games, mm. and it does change the story narrative a little bit. Hmm. But it is there, and it will make a subtle difference within the story for both games. So it is worth paying attention to for both games. Hmm. And something that's interesting is that uh, you people know about like how there's a past and future mechanic yep. to this game. Yep. And the thing is, is that it changes a few of the Pokemon that you're going to find in your adventure, and it does get explained to you later why those Pokemon are there. But it's not like you're going to play this game and be like, ah, past and present mechanic, how is this going to play into the game? It's a very later in the game story beat that you're going to have to wait to see where they're going with it. So if I like this game, say I like this game a lot, is there a legitimate reason why I should get the other version? 
Mm, not unless you really want to see the reaction of Arvin. I mean, is that is is getting the other version after you played through so one worth that at that that full price? Uh, I don't believe so. Unless you really just want uh, to play through the game again and I you see. want to play a different story, like not a different story, but if you want to build a different team and you want a version that like I don't want to lose my save file for Scarlet for a good example. Yeah. I kind of wish I could play through the game again because there's only one save file, which kind of sucks. Really? So. If I wanted a different save file, I'd have to get another version. And if I wanted to at that point, yeah, I would get Violet mm. because I want to play through the game again. I want to catch the version exclusives. Uh, but I think this game also does a really good job in helping you catch the version exclusives between the two games and trading them. So I don't think that, again, that big of a deal. I see. But again, I, I don't think it's worth buying both versions of the game because the story doesn't change that much between them, though it does change some story beats. Mm. But I definitely do think that this game is still worth the buy. I bought it on this podcast. 110% it is worth oh, buying. I bought it. The final, I like I said, if nothing else, the final area of the game was amazing to me. So, uh, I mean, overall though, for if you're like a hardcore Pokemon, Pokemon fan, if you're you a hardcore, buy this. You if you're a hardcore Pokemon fan, you've already bought this. If you're a hardcore Pokemon fan, you should have already beaten this. And if you're a hardcore Pokemon fan, you probably are going to be up there with me and saying that this is probably the best Pokemon game that they've made, if not the second best, if you still think that either Gen 2 or Gen 5 is the better version. Or the better game. So again, I definitely think that if you if like Pokemon a game, this is worth picking up. The unfortunate thing I'm going to say at the end of this review, though, and I kind of want to end this on a little bit of a solemn note, is that I definitely think that this game is the best Game Freak can do, and I think this is peak Game Freak as a studio. But now with storytelling, you're saying it's a, it's like amazing, but at the same time, you're, there are technical bugs and issues that, is, that, te- that, that, that cripples this game. That, that does really hurt this game a lot, and it's not worth overlooking for the good aspects of this game okay so i is it worth playing yes absolutely but you should not just say this game is absolved of its sins of having poor performance for the story that is a legitimate complaint about this game <laughs> what the game? heck what amazon shipping speed sucks i'm not gonna have pokemon uh until december 24th apparently they are struggling damn amazon shipping is slow damn they are struggling damn cancel your order just go buy it in person yeah, maybe we I will. We can go to the store and we will go get you a copy at like Wally World of Tarje, okay? Because yeah. they have a bunch of copies Yeah, there. apparently that's not going to arrive until December yeah, 24th. But now, here's going. the real but, question. Yeah. What will you pick for your starter? I don't even know what the starters are. Okay. I don't know nothing about Pokemon, dude. Yeah, what I, are you I, have said go it, I have said it before on this podcast. My experience with Pokemon is Pokemon Go. Okay, so what was yours again? Because I picked the fire type. I, I picked uh, Sprigatito, which is the grass cat. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that one. Yeah, and I'm the one, really that, and the one that you think. chose is Fuecoco. Is there I, an electric Fue- type to start? No, no it's, it's always a gra- it's always grass, fire, and only water. Let's let the Pikachu one. Probably what? fire then, because I like Charmander. Yeah, so in that case, then you'd pick uh, you'd pick uh, Fuecoco. But there's also the duck known as Quaxley, which is the water one. And you might like it because it has a pompadour. It's kind of more of a like a. It dances. Its, it yeah, dances. Yeah, don't spoil the ending of it. But yeah, the Pokemon's design. You might just look at the design and say, "I really like this starter." So again, go usually into, that's what it comes down to: is does this look cool? Okay, I'm going with that guy. I've always gotten Fire type. Don't get me wrong, Sword and Shield's Fire type. Apparently, my one friend says like, it's really good. But I was like, it, it, it's yeah, playing soccer. It's, it's it, playing soccer, and it, I'm just not. About is there that. a legitimate strategy though? Is there like a, a benefit to choosing one over the other? Other yes. based on what yes. you fight in the beginning ever, of the game? Because ever so often if you remember playing red versus blue if you picked Bulbasaur you wrecked 
You wrecked unless the first you're the two dude gyms. The, unless you're the dude in that commercial that I put in the podcast last week. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, well, so. I'm just saying though, it's like that. That's the thing though. It's like every so often, some of the Pokemon games, there's a legit, re- like a legit choice because I know for a bona fide fact, in red and blue. If you had Bulbasaur, you could destroy Rock-type. And then who was next? Misty. Yeah. Against Water-type. If you pick Charmander as your starter, you could beat, you know, Brock pretty But Misty is going to give you a hard time. Misty was a hard time. But the thing about this game is that the game's difficulty in this game is a lot more streamlined. And the thing that's really cool about this game is that this game throws Pokemon at you. So the thing is, is that you're unlike Red and Blue and some of the earlier Pokemon games where you're generally going to be very strugg- like struggling to try to even get your team off the ground, this game throws Pokemon at you. This game makes wants you to build a team you want. Mm-hmm. This game throws new Pokemon at you. This game throws old Pokemon at you. This game says, hey... You want to build this team? Go at it. Have fun. Go nuts. That's one of the things that this game does best about it. That's one of the reasons why I like this type of style of uh, Pokemon more for the open world is because it allows you to pick a team that you want very easily. Hmm. But again, I'm going to go back to my normal note but I was saying about this with Game Freak. Is that I think that this is peak Game Freak. I think this is probably the best Game Freak can genuinely do. Because So with your criticisms on Arceus, why do you think they did such a bad job on that game but a great job on this one? Arceus was a side project. So the way that Game Freak works... So like an A and B team situation? Yes. So the way that Game Freak works is that they do this. They basically have... I canceled my pre-order, by the way. Or my order, by the way. So, so if we're going to pick that up at the, at the store, I'll do that. So here's how Game from the store so for you, here's okay. how Game Freak works, right? So they have their main... Their, their main focus is always Pokemon, right? So the mainline yeah. Pokemon games are always their main focus. And when they're working on that, it's full steam ahead. Everybody's on that project. But when they're in between Pokemon games, right? Mm-hmm. They get side projects and they say, okay, if you want to take a break from Pokemon, this team, you guys can splinter off and do this. And so a, t- a side team did go to do Legends Arceus. However, when they started working on that team and a lot of that team was working on it they were saying okay we need you back for scarlet and violet so uh, when legend so they, so they pulled part of the team and that they they suffered. gutted that team and the game uh, suffered for it and it's more than fucking glaringly obvious when i play rcs when and where and why it do happened you think the production on that game on rcs probably suffered too because of covid uh no you think it was in development during the covid lockdowns do you think it no, suffered because I, of that? I, uh, uh, so the thing is is that some game studios did suffer through covid but not game freak and most game studios should not because of the fact that you're working digitally you can work remotely you can still do your work from home so no can you because i mean wouldn't you I, I don't know how like I, it depends on how their company's set up but wouldn't you think like their workstations would be in a physical building yes but i still don't think that that game suffered because of covid oh. like straight up i don't think it suffered because of covid a lot of game studios did not suffer that badly because of covid and i think game freak being the one of the head you know leading uh you know again yeah developers again pokemon is the highest grossing ip by like 10 times fucking over they they had ways of getting those people to work and get their work done i Mm. do not think arceus suffered because of it i think that the issues with scarlet and violet are again footprints that game freak leaves behind these are issues that game freak has had for many years at this point and i think unfortunately if they make the next pokemon game they will continue to have these issues and that's why i think that this point going forward even though scarlet and violet did change my mind and i'm very impressed by this game I think this is the last time Game Freak should still make a Pokemon That's game. That's still dumb that you that that uh, I don't want to say you are specifically saying it, but but that idea that it's like oh this is Game Freak they're going to have these problems. Wouldn't you think like oh man Pokemon Scarlet and Violet released in a buggy state? Maybe our next game we shouldn't let it release that way. So 
the problem, like, like Cyberpunk. They come so, up with a Cyberpunk 2077-2. They're not going to release the game in a crappy state because you'd think they'd learn their lesson. I mean, you'd think so, but Witcher 3 had issues on launch. A lot of their other games had issues but did, on launch. did Witcher 2, though? Yeah. So issue, oh, Witcher it? 2 still had issues so on launch. So it's just a normal thing of game development? Uh, no, I think it's become more of a pandemic recently. So here's the thing about Game Freak and Pokemon, right? They release every three years. Yeah. And the was way... Pokemon Go a mess? No. Oh, that was Niantic. Niantic yeah. So here's the thing, right? Is that the Pokemon company is pushing for these games to come out every three years because they have the anime, they have the games, they have the card game. Live and, action movies. Uh, they have a lot of projects, but they basically go off this three-year cycle. Yeah. So effectively from day one to day zero, the game has to be done in three years. Mm. And that's not a lot of time to make a game for a lot of people, right? But the problem is, is that for what these features have in them, a lot more could be done in these games within three years. And the problem is is that Game Freak probably could ask, can we have more time? And the Nintendo company is going to say, well, no, we need to do this on a three-year cycle. So do I think that that is a leading detriment into why these games suffer in quality sometimes? Yes. Do I think Game Freak refuses to hire more people for their staff? Yes. Probably. Do I think that the uh, like they could increase their staff size to have these games with more polish? Absolutely. I think that the problem is is that Game Freak at this point has these issues because they don't want to change. And I think that's what's leading to a lot of these issues with Pokemon is that Game Freak is not willing to change that much. I think if this game even would have had four or five years, it still would have had a lot of these same issues on day one. I could be wrong by that and Game Freak could prove me wrong, but I don't think they will and are able to. At this point, I think the issue is Game Freak. I think Game Freak needs to stop making these games, and they need to find a new studio to start making and developing Pokemon, and they need to start going from there. I think mm. that there's a lot of very impressive work in this game that literally made me question how the fuck Game Freak was capable of pulling off some of the, of the things in this game that they pulled off. One of the things that you'll hear people always going on about Pokemon is battle animations. Some Pokemon have some stunted battle animations that look fucking stupid. One of the Pokemon you find, and this isn't a spoiler, is named Flamigo. And it is a Flamigo Pokemon, right? Like okay. the bird. Yeah. The thing is, is that it's a fighting flying type. And it's like, okay, it stands on long legs. So when it uses a physical move, it's going to kick. It pecks with its beak. Hmm. So using a move like low kick allows it to peck with its beak. What? Yes. So it's like, as a battle animation, this looks very fucking stupid. Yeah. And I think that Game Freak has been doing this ever since the 3D Pokemon Is that games. Is just laziness? Yes. Thank you. That's the word for it. It's laziness. <laughs> now, here's the thing, right? People are going to say, well, there's no way they can animate over a thousand fucking Pokemon. Yeah, this you game, can. This game released with 400 Pokemon. Huh. Okay, cool. So you're telling me that there's no way you could have animated these Pokemon. The funny thing is, though, is that in some areas they did animate Pokemon in weird ways. So one of the Pokemon that I started out with was a electric fighting type, right? Mm. The funny thing about it is that when you fight inside of the water, some Pokemon will just float on these, like, buoys that, you know, like, so they can stand in the water, right? Sure. But this Pokemon actually had a swimming animation and actually swam in the water, and I was fucking awestruck by that. It's like, wait, they actually animated this. They actually went out of their way to add animations for this. What the fuck? I'm actually impressed. Like, that's legitimately impressive. So if you put Psyduck in the water, does it swim? 
I don't know if Psyduck does. I know Psyduck that, drowns. Well, sorry, Misty Psyduck. I, I think drown. Psyduck does swim. I think most of the Pokemon that naturally you can find in the water have swimming animations. I don't quote me on that one because I'm not sure about that. Mm. But most Pokemon have swimming animations. But if you put Pikachu in the water, he just dies? Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> electric but, Pokemon. Electric Fusion. Well, the one I just talked about with the electric. Fire type. Fire type is yeah. the one that would drown and yeah. die. Oh. Yeah. yeah, so the funny thing about it, though, is that, like I said, it was interesting to me because some Pokemon in this game genuinely had some really good animations to them. Yeah. And some of the Pokemon that I didn't even think we're going to have animations to them did and it was like this is impressive I'm very happy that this exists like holy shit again Game Freak this is good work like good work I want to give you credit where credit is due but then you see one that either doesn't have an animation or has a really derpy animation you're just like why it's like you couldn't put any work into this you couldn't have been asked that sucks to me the thing is though is that I'm not going to say that every Pokemon needs its own quality animations but I'm not saying that it's impossible for that to also happen considering the fact that again highest grossing RP of all time there could be several teams of people working on animating these Pokemon. It would not be that hard. They could easily do it if they wanted to. I just don't think they want I to. I honestly think Game Freak could literally have a bigger staff and still have plenty of money, but they're just like, well, it keeps working. People are keep buying this, so, so why, why change? Yeah, why change? And so I think that's one of the reasons why I really want to see another studio and I want to see another company actually take a stab at a Pokemon game, a mainline Pokemon game, not something side like Pokemon Go. Or Arceus was still Game Freak, but I, or... I can't remember who worked on Diamond and Pearl, the remakes, but they were fucking awful. And that's because of Masuda, though. Honestly, because Masuda was seeing that, overseeing that whole project. Number of employees at Game Freak, 169 as of 2022. They could easily... They could double that staff. They Hmm. could. Easily double that staff and still have plenty of money. Oh, yeah, again, no question about money. Again, Pokemon, highest grossing IP, ten times fucking over. Way the fuck over Star Wars. They could easily Oh, yeah, dude. But again, Game development in general is stupid, though, because I was listening to a podcast last week where they were talking about how the average salary of um, the uh, Elden Ring developers, like the programmers, made like 22k a year. Ouch! Wait, what? And it's just like, and and then you release the game. It's one of the best-selling games from that company ever. Can't you give them more money? I mean, why, why are you paying developers and programmers like so little? Well, the thing to forget, like they've already talked about this stuff too. Is like if you have made it for especially more than, with crunch, like what the well, hell? Yeah, if you make it more than five years, you're classified as a veteran in a video game company. Mm. You're a veteran. Yeah, isn't that insane thinking that that like I just worked here for five years and now I'm classified as a so veteran. would that make Kojima a god? Yes. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yes. But so again, at this point, I that's the note I want to end on. This is that I think that. Game Freak should probably be the ones that stop making... The, I, I don't want to see them make the next Pokemon title. I genuinely think that a lot of the story beats that we've seen here and some of the impressive storytelling that we've seen here was this is only kind of matching back to where Black and White is, and it's only above Black and White by a bit of a margin, but like not that much so that I think that this should be reason to give all of our trust back into Game Freak. I think that the last three titles of X and Y and Sun and Moon and Sword and Shield should have been easily on this level if not higher and the same thing for even Arceus and I think Sword and Shield I think Scarlet and Violet should have been above those games but it's not this has definitely been a a downward curve into back into an upward curve again but it's only slightly above where it should be in terms of quality and writing and story and animations and I think that again a lot of this is squandered on Game Freak and I think that another studio if given the chance could do better 
and I think much better. Mm -hmm. So again, that's why I think that I don't I don't want to see Game Freak working on the next title for this Pokemon games. I love. What do you think if there was like all some like kind of like what sometimes what Call of Duty sometimes doing where two studios will kind of work together on a game? Do you think if they brought it in like, hey, Game Freak is working with this Nintendo company? I think that to that would help. Make a game. Yeah. Would think- you think that would like kind of like. Okay, like, okay, interesting. I'll, I'm okay with this, you know, kind of situation. Do it, you get what I'm saying? could, but I think the problem is, is that, again, Game Freak is going to be like, well, this is what we've done for the last 25 years. We don't want to change it. And it's like, okay, fuck off. Okay. Yeah, How does that I hurt can... their sales, though? Like, if you have, like, a, a, an A team and a B team for Pokemon games, and it's just like, well, the B team made this one, so the sale sucks because nobody... Trust well, this no, team. I think if like if it was a joint effort of like, hey, you know, like we're really good at doing this for Nintendo, and you guys are just knocking out of the park by doing this. Why don't you, we just help you update your animation and all this other wonderful cool stuff? Mm. Like, wouldn't that be a that wouldn't be a bad uh, thing? Uh, you're you're saying get a get a studio uh, that specializes in a certain area. Yeah, that um, that the others the main studio might be weak at. You know what, Game Freak, make the story. You know, like Game Freak, make the story. Come up with the crazy cool Pokemon. Hey, you know what we can really do? We can help with your frame rate issues your textures yeah honestly you know, you know what i'm saying though like i think they wouldn't be a bad thing in my opinion i honestly got to think like if they did that it would be so much better in my opinion if they would work with another studio to show them some stuff yeah it yeah wouldn't hurt. it wouldn't hurt in my opinion yeah because there's something that happened so one of the things that ended up happening right and this is one of the prime examples that shows that game freak has no idea what the fuck they're doing after 25 years of making fucking video games. One of the classrooms that I attended to, right? One of the classrooms that I attended, and so here's the thing, is that even me having very minimal knowledge on programming, right? I'm very well aware that if you're programming like a a room, right? That you have this whole open world around the room, but in a cutscene, you're only focused on the room. So you can make a separate loaded instance that's only this room so that your optimization can be much better. Sure. The thing is, is that you go into this fucking classroom and all the kids are sitting there at like fucking five FPS. You can see the choppiness like this in their animations as they're moving. Huh. That's coming from Game Freak. That's coming from the studio. They did not think to give this cutscene its own separate instance so it didn't have to load all this other shit. Right. So that the cutscene could have looked really good. No, they just said, fuck it, shipped it as is, and the cutscene looks like shit because of it. And it's just like, how? Yeah. How did you manage to fuck that up? That's such a fundamental thing, and you fucked it. (laughs) How and why? Yeah. Again, I think that I want to see a different studio take on Pokemon and try it out. I think that it would give us... Very interesting results. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Game Freak is the ones that should be sticking with these games. But I definitely think that something needs to change within the company because I think that this the next game in the series, there's no fucking way it's gonna be better than this one. At all. Ouch. And I don't think that they're gonna hit I don't think they're gonna strike lightning twice. I think that they listened to a lot of fans when they said black and white was the best game in the series, and they looked at a lot of the things that made black and white great, and then they compiled on it to make this game. And that's good. But I don't think that they're going to do it again, and that worries me. I don't want to see Game Freak let me down again. I really would love to see them the next title be great, better than this game even, especially, please, if it could happen. But I don't think it's going to from Game Freak, and that's why I'm saying, without a shadow of a doubt, I think that this should be the last Pokemon game Game Freak makes, and I think that they should move on to a different studio and a different developer and maybe try to figure out how they can make these games better without Game Freak. And if not, we'll figure that out by, what, 2024? Yep, 2020, well, 2025 or 2026 when the next Pokemon title should release, so we'll figure out then. I I would love to be proven wrong if they're going to continue with Game Freak, and I want the DLC for this game to be great, 
but I'm not really holding my breath. So, what did you think about uh, switching topics? Because we're going long, but I don't care. Uh, the DLC stuff for Sonic that they launched, like I their, haven't their, played it. Their roadmap. So at this point, what I'm going to do is that now that I've beaten Scarlet and Violet, I'm going to be able to go back and play Sonic Frontiers because ah. I, I, as soon as I got Scarlet and Violet, Sonic Frontiers went to my back door, like my back seat. Yeah. I, I have kept myself spoiler-free on that one. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what fans have been saying about it. I don't want to know what fans are saying about it yet. I want to have my own uh, opinions on the game, and I want to form my own opinions, and then I want to give the review on the game, and then I'll look at other people's opinions. That's no, why we're talking about I other people. I just want you guys to know, my friend just sent me a message, and apparently it says, Demons and Monsters Beware, and I go, well, okay, what's up? Doomslayer and the Witch. Um, Witch are in Fortnite. In Fortnite. He just sent me this message. He just yep. goes, I don't know if I want to... If if seen Doomslayer um, dab and do other things and floss, he says he's going to cry. I'm for it. It's fine. I don't take I don't take Fortnite serious, so... But either way, so... Yes. I I think Game Freak should be the ones that are not making these titles anymore. So uh-huh. I, I really do want to see the next Pokemon title be better. And I think it could be better, but I don't know if Game Freak can pull it off. We'll just have to wait and see. I want the DLC for this game to be good. If they come out with DLC, we know they're giving us DLC. I want to see them build on the lore in these games because, again, I think the lore in this game was actually well done enough. Again, story was well done enough. I think that they could really make something more with these games. It's just that I don't know if Game Freak is capable of doing it, so we'll yeah. have to just wait and see. Do you think that they're like top A, like top notch when it comes to storytelling? Like I said before, do you think it's like they're just struggling on animation, or do you think they're just like everywhere? The everywhere. thing about okay, so the thing about writing a story, right, is that it's clear and obvious that this game got more development in the story. What changed? What changed from X and Y to Sun and Moon to Sword and Shield to this game that said that this is the game that needs to have the better story? Why did the last three games in quality suffer so shit in this area? that the stories in those games were so laughable and throwaway and just not important to the story at all. There's some elements to the game Maybe that are they okay. got a new like narrative director or Maybe. something. Maybe. And, and if that's the case, then that's fine, and I'm really happy for it, but I don't understand why the fuck this couldn't always be the case. Mm-hmm. Again, animations, like, they've had X and Y. That was the first 3D Pokemon game, so it's understandable that the animations were bad or not great. It was the first 3D of its type. But then, okay, the next game comes out, Sun and Moon. Animations are shit still. You haven't done anything to change the animations or make them better from the last game to this game, even though all you have to do is literally carry over the animations. As they showed with fucking Sun and Moon to Sword and Shield when they recycled a lot of animations from Sun and Moon to Sword and Shield for NPCs, they didn't do that for Pokemon. So they still didn't even add more Pokemon. So we know that Game Freak is lazy enough to fucking copy and paste animations from game to game, but they don't add more Pokemon animations. Why? When you mm. can just copy and paste the animations to the new game. Sure. It's just work that compiles on itself, and therefore, wow, look at this. We have 100 animations for Pikachu. We don't have to remake 100 animations for Pikachu for the new game. We can just import them. Nothing wrong with that. I don't even mind if you fucking do that for, you know, Pokemon. Because the, the players of the previous games would know what uh, Pikachu's animation should look like. Yeah. So and, therefore, reusing them isn't really a big deal. Yeah, exactly. But also the idea that, like, so again, going back to battle animations with the fucking Flamigo fucking using low kick or high jump kick and what it's doing is like bending over and slapping something with its beak it's like fucking why it should have a kicking animation i don't care if the kicking animation completely matches what the attack is i don't fucking care if that's the case it doesn't have to but i do at least want there to be a oh is it using a kicking move i want it to be a look there's a kick like it's animated to use its fucking kick yeah like 
I want that to be a thing. I think that should be a thing. I think you are more than capable of doing that, Game Freak. You're just fucking lazy. And then the next game comes along, and you could just import those animations, and it's not that fucking hard. And, oh, hey, if we need to make new animations, we only have to make one or two new animations. We don't have to make another 50 of them. So, like... Uh, no, I don't understand why the fuck that there's such a lack of quality in their games in some areas, but this game itself had such good quality in some areas that was shocking to me, mm. but there's others that got such a lack of, like, attention that it comes off as just fucking, like, not just sheer laziness, but just downright, like, they don't fucking care. Right. And that, to me, just is, I, I, I don't like that. So, again, I think that's one of the reasons why I don't know if Game Freak making these titles is the correct call at this point. And a lot of people said that when this game first came out as a knee-jerk reaction, when people's, anim like, you know, uh, opinions of this game were still undercooked, where they said that Game Freak needs to stop making these games. But I think that now that I've beaten the game, my opinion is still the same, where I think that at the beginning I said Game Freak needs to stop making these games, and I think now it's still the same. Game Freak needs to stop making these games. And I don't think that people having that initial reaction to this game was the wrong call. I'm glad that people stuck with this game and that their opinions matured a bit, and they realized that this game is not bad, and these games are worth playing. I don't know, people's opinions of this game, including yours, talking about it, made me want to buy the game. It's it's good. Like I said, it is well enough, and I'm glad that people did not just have the knee-jerk reaction of, oh, well, my initial reaction to this game was so fucking bad because the animations were bad or because the performance was so fucking shit that I didn't want to play it. I am glad that they stuck with it, and then they found out that this is one of the best, if not the best, Pokemon experience on the market today. Mm. And again, that's fucking impressive that they stuck with it and that people didn't spoil it and people have been just enjoying this game. I'm so fucking happy that this game is doing well. Yeah. Well, we never want to see a game fail. Exactly. But at the same time, I don't want to have Game Freak with the chance to let me down again. Right. I, I'm burned on Game Freak very badly at this point. And whether or not it's completely the fault of Game Freak or if it's the Pokemon company, because interestingly enough, I haven't played Pokemon Live yet, which is the new trading card game client that's coming out right now. Right. But it's fucking bad. It's fucking awful. One of the people that I like to watch actually went so far as to say that it's a brand-damaging experience. Jeez. It damages the brand of Pokemon, and I think that he's not wrong from what I've seen with a lot of the gameplay of it. The beta's out, but I don't even want to play it because the beta's so buggy and shit-looking, and it's just like, how does the highest-grossing IP of all time turn out something this fucking shit? Do you it think... Do you think that the frequency that Pokemon games are released, like the high, like every three years, actually hurts the brand? So, no. And oh. the funny thing about it is that something for Pokemon Live, like the trading card game, is that that's separate from sure. that yeah. three-year right. yeah. release. Yeah. So they could take as much time and as much money to cook that client as they want to, yep. but instead it came out as like some fucking college student's project, and that's how fucking bad it is. Hmm. And that's saying something. Yeah. from Pokemon that should be a fucking out of this world experience for the Pokemon trading card game and it should be a triumphant return to a client for trading card games and everybody should want to play it Sure. as everybody knows on the market right now something like Duel Links Duel Links looks fucking fantastic for Yu-Gi-Oh and Yu-Gi-Oh fans are enjoying it you know, at least for the client, I'm not going to go into the card game itself and the logistics of the card game and why people might not like the card game and the meta in the game but the client is undeniably the best client on the fucking market Better than, what was that called? Like, Duels of the Planeswalkers? Or yeah, whatever? like MTG Arena. Yeah. So the thing is, is that, without question, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! has that quality client. Hmm. And Pokemon should also have 
that same, if not higher quality clients. Why don't they use the, the Yu-Gi-Oh developers? Uh, yeah, good fucking question. I'd really like to know the answer to that one, too, because they fucking should have. Is it like a conflict of interest? They're competing companies? No, it would know. not be a conflict of interest. At that point, I think the Yu-Gi-Oh developers would say, you're going to pay us how much? Yeah, we'll absolutely fucking do this. Yeah. I don't know if it was just Pokemon Company being fucking cheap and saying, we'll go with this like not known developer so we can underpay them, uh. or if it was them saying, like, okay, we're going to try this ourselves when we have no experience in making this type of gamer client, even though despite the fact that we've had this like web browser client we've been using for the last like 12 fucking years for the card game, and I don't know. It's so hard to say at this point what the call is there, but I'm not fucking impressed by it. I really want that to be better, but I don't know if the, the whole story behind all of it, but yeah, it's fucking stupid, and I don't know if it's just the Pokemon company is the issue at this point, or if it's the developers they're using, but... There is starting to be a reoccurring trend of the anime and the toys for Pokemon are their highest. Like, Pokemon makes the most money off of merchandise, mm. not the games. So I think the Pokemon... How, how good do their movies do? Really well. So, like, one of the reasons why they, the trading card game is so important, this is where a lot of their money comes from. Huh. They make buku bucks from the trading card game. Like, hmm. they make so much money from the trading card game. So that's one of the biggest focuses for them is to have the trading card game out on time. So they wanted Scarlet and Violet to be out now so they could make the trading card game and make the money money off the trading card game. But the thing is, is that if the trading card game itself brings in that much money, why is, is that what they do is like uh, Scarlet and Violet releases and then the physical cards get a Scarlet and Violet expansion? Yes. Ah, okay. So that's one of the reasons why, again, the anime is going to follow Scarlet and Violet. The cards are going to follow Scarlet and yeah. Violet. Everything is going to follow Scarlet and Violet. So yeah. that's why they want all these things to come out at the same time. It's all planned to come out at the same time. Did you hear about that dumbass from GameStop that stole over $10,000 worth of merchandise in three days after being hired? That's and now funny. he's in prison? Nope, that's funny. And part of it was like, I think they called them V-Packs for Pokemon oh. or something. Some type of special pack and he stole like an Xbox Series X and a bunch of other games and shit. Yeah, good it's job. like $10,000 worth of shit and some GameStop employers now. Good job, dumbass. <laughs> it's so dumb. But we are we are going very long. We're at almost right, 2.30. Like, we'll end there. But again, yes, my final game, if they fix the bugs, it's a 9 out of 10. If they fix the performance issues, it's a 9 out of 10. If they don't, this means you rest very easily at like a seven or a six depending on how much that is a detriment to you still a good score still worth going out and playing still going out worth and buying i really hope game freak does not make the next title or at least i hope pokemon company starts to really pay attention to the quality of their games because and their products because i think that a lot more money and a lot more fans can be bought in from this it's just that they really need to sit down and say hey where are we going wrong here? Why are why are we not upholding ourselves to this quality when we're the highest grossing IP of all time? And we are the, one of the biggest, like, we have the most money out of everyone. We should have the best quality, and we don't. So Is Pokemon owned by Nintendo? No. Why are they trapped on the Switch? The Pokemon Company? Like, why, why are these games only on Nintendo game consoles? Why can't they bring Pokemon to PS5 or Xbox? They might have a contract. Oh, okay. And if I had to guess, I would say that they have a contract, but I do agree with you because like something like Pokemon Unite, which is the MOBA, mm. I think that should have a PC port. Or what about a Pokemon tournament? Yeah, I don't know. I think that should also have a PC port. I think that should have a Steam port. Yeah, I think like why aren't these on PC yet? I don't know. I think that honestly, uh, Nintendo and the Pokemon Company and Game Freak have like a um, have a contract with Nintendo. Actually, I don't know. It, it does is Steam on that computer right now? Yes. 
Uh, look up a game for me. See if it has a Little Town Hero on it. Yeah, so Little Town Hero 25 is, bucks. Yeah, 25 bucks. Not worth it, by the way. The game's like a fucking 2 out of 10. Yeah. Not even joking. Even with Toby Fox composing the music for it. Uh, but that game is made by Game Freak. So it's not like Game Freak is being told specifically you can only develop console games. It's huh. on PC. So yeah. it's not Game Freak. So Game Freak is not the one saying that these games have to be exclusively on the Switch. So it's either a contract between the Pokemon Company and Nintendo... Or maybe the Pokemon company is just saying, well, we only thought that the games would sell if they were on the Switch, and we want our brand to be associated with Nintendo. I don't Unless, know. Unless, I mean, Nintendo doesn't have the kind of money that Microsoft has, I'm assuming, but do you think they just paid the Pokemon company a ton of money to say, your, your games stay with us? I don't know. Maybe. Could be something like that. Maybe. I don't know. So, I definitely don't know what the reasoning is there, but... I, I think it has more to do with brand because <clears throat> I think that Nintendo and the Pokemon company have more of a Disney-esque sure. vibe to them and they want their community to be, you know, welcoming and inclusive. And I think that if you go to the Xbox and the PlayStation that that community is not like that at all. And the PC is more of an enigma with the communities that it has. And I think that they also don't want to make kids feel like they're, you know, ostracized for playing on, like on a console and that they have the ability to play on a PC. So I don't know. So... That said, be prepared for the next Pokemon game to be developed by the Callisto Protocol developers. <sighs> God. Uh. Pikachu. <laughs> but, yeah. So, on that, that's my final note about the series. I think this game is worth playing. Go buy it. Please, literally go buy it. I want people to play this game. I want them to gush about the story. I want them to experience the best Pokemon game on the market You right don't now. follow Xbox stuff, right? No. Not much. They're actually releasing uh, Monster Hunter Rise on Game Pass soon. Interesting. Wait, what? Yeah. G- G- Rise is coming to Xbox Game Pass. All right. I don't remember when, but it's it's coming to Game Pass soon. That'll be interesting. Uh, this podcast is basically over. We're at two hours and twenty minutes. End it. <laughs> Kill End it. it. So uh, Kill uh, it. Um. Well, yeah. So I, we've said this a billion times for upcoming stuff. I have Marvel's Midnight Suns. I haven't had a chance to play it. It's still just kind of sitting in a box. Um, I still have Bayonetta to talk about. We've got, ne- uh, not next week, two weeks from now, we got Final Fantasy and High on Life coming out. We, we got games for days. I haven't even touched Tales of Borderlands. I'm just trying to be Evil West and God of War, for God's sake, still. I'm working so yeah, much. Yeah, dude, I haven't even touched Ragnarok. Like, we're, we're going to have games for a while. We like, got stuff to talk like, about. I've been, so. been playing Call like, I, I, I've done a little bit of Warzone, which I'll talk more about that, too. I've actually gotten, like, three wins under my belt. So, I'll talk more. Yeah. But we're going to get out of here, so we'll probably do another podcast next week, I'm assuming. we're just I can. Keep... I got plenty to talk about we, still. We, so. we need to keep doing these things because it's going to be a mess because we're just building up. Games. We got so much like, stuff that's going on. I, um, I know. I know. It's driving me up a wall. It's like I was trying to figure out games that were coming out in the future and stuff, and it's like, I am getting Harry Potter. I, I saw more of the combat. I do want to get that game. That's it looks coming amazing. Out. It looks good. I like it. Uh, I like it. I think Jedi... Survivor was actually confirmed for a March release date, but I don't actually know for sure. And Diablo was speculated to come out in April, but now people are saying it might not be until June. Diablo. So, but I mean, I, there's there's lots coming out. Uh, it's pretty much not stopping until <laughs> halfway through next year. I know, I know, <laughs> so, I know. So, tons peace, of out, games. peace out, peace out. What's taking us out? Um, I want to be the very best. We've done that before. I, Didn't you pick out a song for me? For yeah, the I picked already? out. It is the. It is a little bit of a spoiler of a soundtrack, but I don't think it's quite that big of a deal. But it is the final area in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and this is composed by Toby Fox. It's a very good fucking soundtrack. What did you say it was called? Uh, I don't want to say the name of the game. It's the title of the song. Spoiler. It, 
it's a, it's technically the name of the area you go to, so I don't want to spoil it. Oh, okay. All so right. that's going to take us out. So we'll be back next week, probably with Marvel's Midnight Sun stuff. I, I don't. We've got tons of crap. There, there's so many games. There's a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. We're, it's just piling yep. up. I'm like, crap. Yep. Uh, and again, I want to say again, Congrats on 500 for VGA. I mean, I've been listening yeah. to those guys since, what, 2012? Here's a Tyler is on this run, right? Supposedly episode 500, Tyler comes on. All right, I'm going to have to re-listen. i got to get caught up then. I'm on, like, two episodes behind now, so. Yeah, I was I was listening to a couple of their episodes last week. I don't know. I, I listen to them on and off, but, yeah, it's cool that they finally reached 500. So, anyway, we're out. We're forced to listen to this spa music so your head doesn't explode and kill us all. Samba! You put that down. I am not giving you a massage. Fine, fine. Hand it over. Ah.